Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud and today we're going to be talking about the full moon in the first decan of Virgo. I hope that you're doing well out there and that you are having a great day today. Um, we are going to be taking this, the, uh, this through the rising signs today. We're going to be breaking down the symbolism. We're going to be going through all sorts of different um, symbols, metaphors. We're going to look at the I Ching. We're going to look at um, an animal. And we will hopefully make sure that we have all of our technical things working well today. If you see me looking around here today, I've got my audio coming out of a strange place. So hopefully you can all hear me and that everything is working out okay out there. Just give me the thumbs up in the comment section if everything sounds good on your end, and uh, then we'll go from there. I'm just gonna welcome a few friends here and uh, make sure that I can see everybody and you can hear me. Uh, let's see, let's see. Steven the Jupiterian is here. He says, I am here tuning in from California. Nice to see you, Steven. Nice to see all of you on a Thursday afternoon. I uh, decided to do my um, do my live on a Thursday because my lovely partner Tanya has uh, the day off tomorrow, and we're gonna spend some extra time together. So bumped it up a day. Hopefully it works out well for all of you. Carol from Mass is here. It says hi, Spencer and all. Barely made it. Grateful to be here. Oh, nice to see you, Carol. Hope everything's going well your way. Dina is here. It says hello from sunny snowy Hudson Valley, New York. Uh, nice to see you there, Dina. Hope everything's going well your way out there in New York. Susanna says, hi, Spencer and friends. Nice to see you, Susanna. Hope you're doing well out there over in Finland. Um, always love seeing your pictures as we uh, get closer to spring with all of your beautiful nature arrangements. Candy Corn is here from Connecticut. Nice to see you, Candy Corn. Hope you're doing well on this beautiful Jupiter Thursday afternoon. Suzanne is giving me the thumbs up. Sounds like everything's sounding okay. Good. Okay, Mr. Hindsight is here. Says Namaste from San Francisco. Nice to see you, Mr. Hindsight. Hope you're doing well. Steven says it's cloudy here in San Francisco. Yeah, it's probably cloudy uh, at least half the time over there, isn't it? From what I've heard. I have never been, but... Uh, you know, it seems like that might not be out of the ordinary. We've got clouds here today and a little bit of snow here in Michigan. Dina says, full moon in my 11th was invited to an astrology meetup. Ooh, that's cool, Dina. That sounds like fun. So hopefully that will bear fruit for you. And Carol says, we can hear you. All right, nice. Thanks, Carol, for confirming that. Appreciate that, friends. Okay, couple couple little announcements before we dive into it today. Um... First of all, do me a huge favor and check out my 2024 offerings. Uh, if you aren't familiar with the work that I do, I am a professional astrologer. I do these weekly live streams, usually on Friday afternoons, sometimes Thursday, sometimes Saturday. You know, we're a little flexible with our timing here. Um, but I also do readings. So if you are interested in getting a reading, I have natal readings, I have transit readings, I have oracle question readings. Um, I'm happy to help you out, and my books are open. I usually book about a week in advance, so if you're looking for times, you, you should uh, 
keep in mind that it'll be a, a week from whenever you're trying to book, and my normal booking days are Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I can open up some other times if those days just don't work for you, but uh, check it out at my website, spencermichaud.com. Okay, I am also having a Pisces season sale. If you are enjoying the work that I'm doing here on this channel and enjoying the things that I talk about today in the full moon and Virgo um, outlay, you can get a much more in-depth, deeper dive in the webinar series that I have done recently where I've been examining the tarot cards, the significations, the mythology, um, the fixed stars, the stories, the metaphors, all associated with the different 10 degree sections of the zodiac. They're each about two and a half to three hours long with Q&A with a live audience um, as well. Uh, so check that out. That's for sale for 20% off the Deccans of Pisces, which we're going to discuss today until the end of Pisces season. And of course, I also have a lovely partner, Tanya Andrews, who has a magical business where she makes magical elected materia based on the astrological planetary placements. Uh, it's called Third Coast Mojo, and you can check her out over on Etsy. She has a bunch of wonderful offerings. Lots more are coming. Sign up for my email and her email list to know when new stuff is coming out. Um, but this is a great time to check out her Jupiter in Pisces series one of which is called Oceans of Abundance. So if you're needing some help through this Piscean series, uh, season, that series could um, really help you out along the way. You can see a nice little whale and uh, little glittery hearts there. She really does great work and keeps doing uh, more beautifully elected uh, rituals in the house, I should say. So our house is just marinating in all of this magic. If you would like to make a donation to the work that I'm doing here today, there are two ways to do that. One of which you can go to buymeacoffee.com and contribute to the show via that method. Or during, if you're here during the live stream at YouTube, on YouTube, you can hit that little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super chat or a super sticker. And that really does go a long way to help me keep the lights on here. Those, these are the only funding methods that I do at the moment, although we're considering other possibilities. But this is the way to support the channel beyond uh, the webinars, Third Coast Mojo, and signing up for a reading. So. Hopefully, all of you will take advantage of these opportunities and uh, are having a good day. So, let's get back to it. What do you say? Just going to check in with our chat here. We've got a couple more friends stopping in. Rachel Fletcher is here from Roanoke, Virginia. Nice to see you, Rachel. Hope you're doing well over there. Happy Thursday to you. And then Stephen says, it's not too foggy today. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that the sun will come up a little bit for you. We've had some sunshine in the past few days in Michigan, which was, was very welcome. Uh, it's been pretty cloudy for most of the winter here in Michigan, and getting a few days of sun really charges you up. Okay. Stephen says, Saturn and Neptune are transiting my fourth house, and it's brought a nice leak from the skylight, <laughs> skylight in my bathroom. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, uh, I'm hoping that's a leak of sunshine, but I'm doubting that, so... Good luck with that, Stephen, and I hope that uh, you're able to repair that so that you can get the sunshine in there and not water. All right, friends, let's kind of start taking a look at what we're going to be working through this week. So we're talking about the full moon in Virgo 1, the first 10 degree section of Virgo, um, and we're going to pull the chart up here so that you can see it. and. There is the chart of the moment. 
the full moon in Virgo, you can see that this will be coming to fruition on February the 24th of 2024, which is a Saturday at about 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make the appropriate adjustments for your time zone. Um, and this is a, you know, a full moon where we are having a, a giant stack up, a giant stellium in Pisces. We have the Sun, Mercury, and Saturn, and Neptune, all in the Jupiterian yin sign of Pisces. And it will be opposing the moon in Virgo. So full moons are always oppositions between planets, or between the sun and the moon specifically. And we are also going to be trying to look for the host of this moon, which we have the host of the moon is Mercury. And Mercury is in pretty tough shape in this chart, and I'll explain why in a second. And the host of the sun is Jupiter. So we're going to talk about Jupiter and Mercury here today and what they might be asking from us, what kind of things we might need to prepare for. Um, we have some really interesting things happening really shortly after this full moon that we really want to check in with. Uh, we have a Hellenistic void, of course. We have a Mars-Venus square with Jupiter from Aquarius to Taurus. Uh, the full moon itself is going to be in a wide trine with Jupiter, so we'll take a look at that. And then we're going to be kind of building up to this Sun-Saturn-Mercury conjunction that happens at 9 degrees of Pisces on the 28th of February. So these are all really interesting things that we can kind of see how th this process is going to unfold. Um, just some big picture thoughts like the Mercury being the host of the moon is putting our ability to think in a linear fashion and through detailed analysis into question or into jeopardy and forcing us to think in a nonlinear fashion through the power of figurative language or the power of metaphor. And we'll, we'll talk about that today and I'll read to you an, another excerpt from this book Sand Talk that I've been working through um, that was recommended to me by community member Devin Malone. Uh, so I appreciate uh, the way that the Tyson Yunkaporta, an, an Aboriginal scholar, um, really thinks about that space in between matter and spirit, and we'll, we'll try to break that down today. Yes, Devin is here. Katie and I are here listening. Nice to see you, Devin. I'm glad that you're here, friend. Um, so I will break that down, and I will read a little bit from that book. Um, so let's kind of take it piece by piece. Let's take talk about the Mercury host. Alright, so here we have the host Mercury in the first second of Pisces. And we will take a look at the decans of Pisces slide associated with Pisces 1. But if we were to bring a tarot card into the equation, we'd be looking at the Eight of Cups. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, the Eight of Cups looks like this. You can see me in the little side window there. You can see a figure that's going off into the, into the unknown, leaving behind the Eight Cups of material success or fulfillment and going off in search of meaning. So we are in, or will be in, Jupiter's territory. 
and Jupiter's uh, a planet that it searches for meaning. Um, we also have sort of themes here coming to us via Joy Usher and the Tiny Universe about uh, the Lord of the Rings and, and the journey of both Gandalf and Aragorn and Frodo and talking about not, not all those who wander are lost. Sometimes we're wandering and meandering for a specific purpose, to find meaning, to find a higher purpose. And those are the types of things that we're going to be working through at this full moon. Now, Virgo, on the other hand, likes to, to differentiate, it likes to demarcate, it likes to organize things into categories. It tends to try to deal with the reality of a situation. Uh, it is process-focused foc rather than uh, meaning-focused. And normally at this full moon, sometimes we will have to deal with details so that we can bring our vision into reality. And one of the challenges of this particular moment, this particular full moon, is that Mercury, the planet that generally provides the ability to do so to the moon in Virgo, is going to be in its exile and in its fall in Pisces. It's, it's doubly detrimented. Now, those are you know, fancy words uh, and tr for, for the traditional astrological way of looking at a planet's dignity and how uh, comfortable it is in a certain temple. Okay? Each of these signs were considered a temple for these, these planetary deities or gods. And when we have a planet that's in a temple that is foreign to it or that it, it's uncomfortable in, sometimes it's, it has to do things in an unorthodox fashion. So in this case, Mercury is in a place that is very much obsessed with finding meaning and with dissolving some of the boundaries that separate things into categories. You know, it's really, it's Mercury trying to communicate not through the lens of clarity, but through the lens of comparing one thing to another, all right? So let's, if we talk about Virgo 1, each of these decans has a, pl a planetary ruler of its own. So Virgo 1 has the sun as its ruler. So think about the sun trying to shine a light on the, the stores of grain that have been grown over the summer that need to be sorted through to be stored for the winter. And through the light of that clarity, you're able to see what stays and what goes and what tools are needed to, to, to complete the process. Now, when we look at Pisces 1, that decan is ruled by Saturn. And Saturn tends to cast things into darkness. Sometimes it brings doubt or divine discontent. Oftentimes it wants to create uh, a blueprint to build our lives from, but in this case, we may be feeling a little bit of divine discontent where what brought us joy in the past may not in the future or in the present. And we're going off and saying, you know what, I've, I've had enough and I'd like to go find something that will connect me to the spirit world or connect me to my higher self or will help me dissolve the illusion that we are separated from spirit. Okay, that, that the physical world is different than the spiritual world because you know, in a lot of these indigenous cultures there is no separation. All, all is all, right? The physical is spiritual, the spiritual is physical. It's, 
it's all a similar thing. There is no separation between life, death, etc. You know, it's not this, this, uh, you know, living for the, for the next life type of thing. You know, this is something that really bothers me. This might be a controversial take for some, but this is one thing that bothers me about Orthodox religion is the idea of living for the next life. Um, I think that that's a really, really difficult and damaging way of thinking of things. I think that if we are doing that, it causes us to make all sorts of decisions in the moment that may not be in service of preserving the life and spirit that we have in this moment. And I think that we have to uh, avoid that type of thinking, in, in my humble opinion. So with Mercury hosting this moon, we may have to get comfortable with surrendering to a, a process that we aren't necessarily in control of, or that isn't necessarily as clearly defined as we may want it to be. There may be some project that you're working on okay, that is that needs more information. And you're waiting for that information. You're waiting for the details. You're waiting for the documents. You're waiting for the numbers. And Mercury is kind of saying, hey, you know, that <laughs> you may not have access to all of that right now. And what you need will come eventually. But right now it's really important to stay connected to your why instead of your how. It's, it's important to say, why am I doing this? What is infusing meaning into this project, this uh, whatever it is? I, I know our friend Stephen last week was talking about starting a book at the new moon. So if we were just using that as an example, we will speak in the language of metaphor because one of the things I'm really loving about Tyson Yunkaporta's Sand Talk book is he talks a lot about education through the lens of making an abstract concept tangible and practical. And that's the way we create new neural pathways in our brains. And so, for example, Stephen is working on a book or wants to start a book. And my advice to him specifically would be know your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? What is it that is motivating you? And how can you stay connected to that even in the midst of trying to figure out, well, okay, how am I going to organize the chapters? How am I going, what details do I need to, to begin the process? What kind of uh, pen do I want to use? What kind of pad of paper? All of these things, these little details, right? And that your, your mileage may vary with that. But what I think that this moment is asking us for is saying, as long as you stay connected with the why, as long as you go in search of the why, the, meth the, the tools and the organization will come to you without you necessarily needing to force the issue. And I say this too because directly after this full moon, we are going to be dealing with a void of course moon, a Hellenistic void of course moon, which is much rarer than the modern definition of Hellenistic void of course. The modern void, void of course moon does not allow the, the void to go over sound, sign boundaries, whereas the Hellenistic one is, means that there are no traditional aspects from the moon to a traditional planet for 30 degrees. And that usually happens once every few months. Sometimes we'll have a couple in a month, um, but oftentimes 
the, the traditional authors would say that nothing would come to it. You know, nothing would come of the matter in that void of course moon. They would also call that void of course moon a wanderer. So we may need to allow some time to pass. What I think is really interesting about this full moon and what comes after it is we will have this, this need for information. And then immediately after we have this three or four day void of course moon. And it will end just as Saturn, Mercury, and the Sun are all coming together in like their own super Kazemi. Okay, Kazemi meaning renewed in the heart of the sun uh, a few days after that. So I think that if you're looking for answers at the full moon, I think it would be really important to give it some time directly after the, the full moon comes together. Like you may understand what you need, but, but getting it may be a different process. So th these, these are some of the things that I've been having on my mind about this full moon. Now, Let's just talk for a second about the, the nonlinear thinking and the power of metaphor. And I'm going to show you uh, this book, Sand Talk, by Tyson Yunkaporta. And I'm going to read you something, an excerpt from it. And this is a chapter about education. And he is very critical about Western-style education. And much of it I very much agree with him about, about how when we disconnect our learning from tangible examples and when we when we separate it from from spirit it becomes destructive rather than enriching so i'm going to read you this 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 is from page 99 of a, in a chapter called of spirit and spirits and tyson yunkaporta says the chemical burst of pleasure we feel when genuine knowledge transmission takes place occurs from the creation of new neural pathways. These are connections between two points that were previously unconnected. Jokes are one of the most pure examples of this neural creation event. Most humor is based on two ideas coming together in a new way. Puns, rhymes, double meanings, unusual circumstances, accidents, exposed delusions, and contextually inappropriate content are examples of this. The chemical rush we, form, we get from sudden neural connections and jokes is so intense and pleasurable that we laugh out loud. This kind of humor and joy in learning is a huge part of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. If people are laughing, they are learning. True learning is a joy because it is an act of creation. But there are two kinds of joy. One is characterized by lightheartedness, and the other is marked by fierce engagement and deep concentration. Both give pleasure by increasing connectedness and complexity in the neural systems of learners. There needs to be an interaction between abstract, spirit, and concrete, physical, worlds of knowledge for this type of complexity to develop fully. Without closing the loop between abstract knowledge and reality, and without making connections between different ideas and areas of knowledge, true learning cannot occur. A focus on linear, abstract, declarative knowledge alone not only fails to create complex con connectivity, but damages the mind. We are biologically punished for this destructive behavior with a neurochemical rush of lethargy and discomfort that most people call boredom. Oh, that's pretty, that's good. You know, and I, I, really, I really felt that when I was in school. 
I, I had some challenges with concentration, but I had challenges with concentration when I found the topic uninteresting, when I found it disconnected from meaning. Uh, I, we have an, an, a ration and an epidemic of people or of, you know, a lot of us are having trouble focusing. You know, it's, it's, we can, and I don't want to go down the, the rabbit hole of, you know, discussing diagnoses and things like that. I think it's very dangerous to, to try to diagnose people on the internet. And I would, I would ask for all of you to, to put that type of uh, labeling aside for the moment. But what I will say is that when we are not feeling connected, to what we are learning. It's very easy for the mind to drift. I was the type of, of kid that could learn English very well and storytelling. So when we were reading stories and t discussing the meaning behind the characters' lives, the lived life that they were experiencing, I was, I was all about it. I was completely engaged. When I was learning something like mathematics, when it was taught in a way that was completely disconnected from my reality, when it was only a symbol, and I didn't understand what the symbol connected to, my mind would completely drift, and I would, I would be in a completely different reality to the point where I would basically wake up 30 minutes later and have no idea what the teacher had said, because all it was was a bunch of disconnected symbols that had no connection to my lived experience. Now, that is not me saying that math is inherently boring or math is not useful. When you have a teacher who is a, a powerful um, connector and a good teacher, they can make math some of the most interesting you know, discussions in the world. But I didn't have those teachers at the time I was learning. Uh, I did have some very good English teachers. I had some bad English teachers too that, that you know, made me drift off into the, my own imagination. But the point being is that for us to really learn, we have to be able to, to, first of all, connect it to our lived experience. We have to be able to take that abstract concept, bring it into our lived experience. We have to be able to see one thing as another thing. This is fundamental to learning astrology and to learning any type of divinatory language. We are marinating in the language of metaphor. We are, we, we are literally seeing a point of light in the sky and its position, and we are connecting it to our lived experience and saying, what does this point in the sky, how does that connect to a language of symbols and, and most importantly, the lived experience that we experience here on earth, in our bodies, etc.? And this is why I feel like the, 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 the Deccan walk that I've been doing has been so powerful and just engaging to me is that we are discussing our lived experience in real time over many, many meetings while we are looking at charts and while we are discussing the symbols and specifically trying to connect it to each one of our multifaceted lived experiences. And what is so cool about that 
is that we are able to see it through multiple lenses of lived experience and multiple charts. And that's really powerful because when we make the mistake of saying that this symbol only means one thing through our own subjective lens, that's when we become dogmatic. So being able to see a symbol through a multivalent lens and multi, multiple lived experiences is super important. And it's just important for getting along with other people in, in the world. It would, it would go a long way to solving a lot of the challenges that we're experiencing right now in the world, which, of which there are many. And I, you all are living this in real time. I don't have to dwell on that. But I think that if we're looking for solutions, first of all, sometimes there aren't solutions that are easy. Sometimes there are complicated things that take time and that um, are very difficult to parse out. Um, I will say, just, just for those of you who are you know, wondering or thinking, I think that um, we're going through a really difficult time as a collective right now. And I will always be in support of kindness and peace uh, on this channel, whatever form that takes, you know, like I, I think that whatever choices that we need to make to work towards peace and understanding one another, those are the things that I'm in support of. Um, I try to sometimes shy away from naming, uh, quote unquote, the enemy. I think that that's really dangerous sometimes too. I know that maybe that disappoints some people sometimes, um, but what I hope that we share here are, is a connection to values um, that we can bring into our own lives and be able to utilize that within a multivalent, a multitude of situations. Devin says, I hear the moon transit in your voice today, my friend. Yeah, the moon is, what is, what is the specific moon transit that we're going through today? We've got the moon conjoining Uranus, right? We've got the moon uh, transferring light from Jupiter to Uranus. And what else do we have going on there? Anything else? Am I missing anything? It's fun doing Jupiter Day. Uh, Dempsey says, I totally agree with that learning point of view in education. Good. I, I you know, it, it's, it's, and Dempsey is, I believe Dempsey has some Virgo placements in her chart. So it's nice to hear the, the Virgo side of this as well. Oh, my natal moon. Devin says my natal moon. Yeah. Hear the natal tra moon trance in your voice today. Yeah. This is, uh, uh, again, an exalted Taurus moon. And I don't mean to say that and like, oh, look, this is this is this fancy placement I have. But um, I do feel that having the moon in Taurus just slows everything down and makes me a reflective person that tries to bring a tangible perspective and a grounded, calming perspective to the world. Uh, and you can do with that what you want. Um, to, to me, it's it's trying to provide nurturing and care for the most amount of people, you know, out there, for the masses. The moon was related to the masses. And again, I, I know that there are some out there that may think that my approach isn't extreme enough or isn't, you know, loud enough, but that's just not who I am. Like, that's some, I'm somebody who is trying to continually maintain my own inner equilibrium 
And by being that peaceful center, hopefully that will radiate out from me and into the world. But I do think it is important for those of you who are on the, you know, I guess the front lines of, of, of battle right now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough. I, everyone's got a different role to play. Um, but what I will say is that uh, sometimes I get really overwhelmed with the, the pain that we're going through as a collective. And I have to uh, pace myself with my outrage and with my righteous indignation. It's so easy to get exhausted when we're consuming um, negativity uh, and think that there, it's okay to strike a balance between taking care of yourself and speaking up for the, the injustices in the world. Okay, so we're talking about the power of, of metaphor. Now, when I taught songwriting at a community college, couple things about that. I had to speak to many different types of folks. Uh, there was all ages. There were all different economic backgrounds that came to that school. In songwriting, we learn about the power of figurative language, and we learn about comparing one thing to another. Now, it's not just comparing one thing to another, and that's it. The thing about metaphor is that you are seeking the third thing that those two contrasting objects or ideas, you're seeking what they have in common. So that's something that I would love for you to practice today. And it's to try to see if you can see one part of your life related to another part or related to a symbol or related to uh, something where you're finding meaning by finding the connections between those two things. And that's very Piscean, because Jupiter loves to find connections, it loves to, to work towards peace and order. It, in Pisces, as a water sign, it is dissolving the boundaries between even things that are unalike and helping to merge them into one. So the, these are something that, these are things that are really important to work through at this full moon, the nonlinear thinking, the power of metaphor, to be able to see the different phases of your life and to be able to make connections within them. Um, we do this every time we do a live stream. We do this through looking at an animal and seeing what that animal's life is, could, how we can take some of its approach to life and turn it into a, a human behavior. Uh, last week we talked about uh, we talked about the dragon, which is an imaginary animal, but previously we had talked about the beaver. And we started to see how the beaver reshapes uh, its environment through damming up a stream and creating fertile waters around it. Maybe there's boundaries that we need to create in our own lives with the beaver that will help us to bring fertility back to our lives. Uh, maybe we need to just work really hard to create that, you know, reshape our, our environment. So that's, that's an example of a metaphor where we can look at one thing that is doing something in its own way and apply it to a completely different situation and see what they have in common, okay? If we just say, oh, I'm a beaver, and we don't make the connection that the hard work of the beaver is what we're trying to connect to the hard work in our own lives, 
or the reshaping of our reality is the third thing that they have in common, it's not going to work. So I hope that those uh, that, that is helpful for you. All right. I'm just going to check back in on the chat here. I know we've got some really nice comments coming in. Um, let's see. Timpy says it's quite a surprise on a Thursday night. A nice one. Good. All right. Devin says, if the Kazemi was a secret council meeting, I'd like to be a fly on that wall. Yes. Yes, maybe there will be some sort of secret meeting on some level. Uh, Stephen is saying, it's a book I'd like to read. I also want to share my comedic side to all. Yeah. Check out check out Sand Talk. You, I think you'd really enjoy it, Stephen. It's, it's just, it's been helping me to reshape my reality. I will say that it, I'm only halfway through, so hopefully there's more, more turnaround. Um, when you are faced with new ideas that open your mind in a different way, sometimes the initial reaction that we have is a, some, some sadness, some feeling of discontent. And I would say that I'm going through a little bit of that right now, especially when it comes to Western civilization. Um, and just, uh, just trying to make sense of it and find my place within it. And maybe that's what this is here, is trying to connect people to meaning within it. Um, but it's tough sledding lately for, for hermits, for people who are trying to find meaning within their life and trying to live a life of, that, that doesn't do harm to others. It's tough. It's tough, especially when, you know, the way that society is structured makes it more and more difficult to, to stick to an ethos and stick to an ethical way of being. Um, and struggling with it, to be honest with you, if I'm being honest with all of you friends, like uh, some of the things that I, I believed in in the past, um, it's a little bit, you know, disorientating. And, you know, as we get further and further into, I know you all are going to hear me say it again, but as we get further into late stage capitalism, there's a lot of, uh, I feel like that the, some of the meaning is getting sucked out of our everyday experience and it's frustrating to me. And I, I, I it's, again, it's just struggling with that a little bit. But we'll break down the astrology today and see how we might be able to find some solutions. So let me look through here. Jennifer says, Hellenistic and astrology is soul different from the spirit. Oh, that's a deep question, Jennifer. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that the, I think the, the the direction we're we're heading today is realizing that uh, the things that we try to delineate into separate things are just an illusion, and you know the difference between soul and spirit, body, mind, all of those things are are constructs of what of Western philosophical thinking on some level. Remember. We've talked a lot about Descartes and Big Steph from France was talking about the, uh, oh geez, what was it, the Monty Python song where Descartes was a stinky old fart or something like that. <laughs> but he was one of the initiators of the separation of mind and spirit and life and death and all those things. And, and I think that by studying indigenous minds, we're seeing into a viewpoint of a culture that doesn't do that or, or has, uh, you know, 
had thoughts about mm, that lives in a much more nonlinear fashion is I guess the simplest way I could say it. Jennifer says love making jokes and hearing jokes. I agree. Humor can really get pull us out of some of these tailspins. Devin says we are living the language of metaphor. Absolutely. Maybe we are living metaphors on some level. Uh, I'm going back in time here. RC says, hi, Spencer, tuning in from Tasmania, Australia. Oh, nice. Just before the sunrise here. I love Tyson Yunkaporta. Awesome. It's good to hear from people who uh, have you know him in, in, in their backyard, right? And hearing that perspective. And I'm learning a lot about Australian culture and and Aboriginal culture and the indigenous people of Australia, um, their their themes are somewhat similar to indigenous uh, Americans, but there's differences as there is from culture to culture. So I'm I'm kind of just getting in some insight into you know a different way of viewing the world, and it, it's it's really cool. I, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's also uh, it also shakes you to your core. And disorient, like I said, disorientates you a little bit. I will say that that some of the themes that I'm experiencing within that have been present throughout my entire life. One one movie that I constantly think about, and I have since I was about eight years old, was Dances with Wolves, and it's, it was probably my favorite movie as a child. And even though I I didn't understand all of the ins and outs and dynamics of of that, those, those circumstances. I just, I felt the emotion of not belonging and feeling like you're not belonging in the culture that you grew up in and finding maybe a more, a not perfect, but maybe a more embodied, I, I hate to use the word idyllic because that's a mistake that we make when we over-idealize, you know, indigenous ways of living, but, but finding a sense of belonging after not resonating with your culture was a theme that I felt for my entire life. And, you know, I, there's reading this book is bringing up those thoughts and feelings and just the sadness at the, uh, the atrocities that colonialism has wrought upon the world. I, it's, it's something I'm wrestling with right now, and I'm doing the best I can with it. And I don't, again, I don't have all the answers. That's why I'm, you're not going to hear me uh, hopefully pounding the, the pulpit today because there's just too much of that going on. And it's, we just need to listen sometimes. Devin says, yes, Taurus offers a stable, comforting, grounding and harmonious container for the moon. Yes, I'm grateful for it because there's other parts of my chart, Devin, like that are very mercury ruled that bring me a lot of anxiety, to be honest with you. I worry about things a lot. But I am super grateful for the, the Taurus moon um, that have brought a little bit of stability to my emotions where I could have really, you know, traversed the ups and downs in a much different way. I, you know, when I first was learning about astrology, Devin, I was mad that I didn't have a Gemini moon. <laughs> like I thought, oh, I'd be much more interesting if I had a Gemini moon. But as I learned more about it and more about myself, I, I'm grateful for just the chart that I have. and for all of it, you know, like even the, the challenging parts of it. Jennifer says, I, yes, I fell when the moon was about to enter Taurus, told me it was time to slow down. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jennifer. Uh, yeah, sometimes we do have to slow down and take our time. Timothy says, I used to be a teacher and today I met a student from 14 years ago 
who then asked if I could stay in the classroom during my break to finish the story of Ariadne. Ooh, that's a good story. And that was a vocational school, and they were trained to be builders. Ooh, that is neat. Yeah, it's, it's telling, teaching through those stories. You know, this is the thing with math, with vocations. Um, we can learn so much, even about skilled trades, through the stories that shape us. And I think we've lost connection to a lot of those stories, and especially in modern Western culture. We just, uh, we're just floating without shared stories that, uh, that many cultures grew to, to have together. Um, and that's a real shame. And I hope that we can just start you know, sharing that like we, were, like we are here today. Okay. Oh, Mr. Hindsight has checked out Sand Talk from the library and just started it. Uh, it is the spirit. Good, good, good. I'm happy to hear that. Devin says, Jennifer, every part of the chart is a part of the soul and the body, so the pieces are the whole. I agree with that, and hence it is a circle. Um, so, yes, absolutely. Jevin also says, the Hellenistic view includes all the pieces and events that are your life. Yes, there's a whole, we're trying to, we're, we're striving towards holistic thinking today, I guess, is what we're doing. Jennifer says, was talking with friends and the myth of the three fates were brought up in regards to that soul and spirit were separate. Yeah, and, and on some level, uh, reading from an Aboriginal perspective, an Indigenous perspective, is causing me to even question Greek, Western Greek ways of thinking, um, which I think is important because a lot of our myths, especially around astrology, are steeped in Western Greek philosophy. And hence some of the separations that we see in Western civilization that we, we, we might not experience otherwise. Um, there's a lot of critique of Roman civilization within that book. I really highly recommend it. Check that book out and see what, what, what you all think of it. Carol says, as a Virgo stellium, metaphor is not usually a love language. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've been uh, in relationship with many Virgo types. I, I had many, I actually had like four Virgo step-parents, if that tells you anything about how, uh, you know, my parents, my mom had a Pisces moon and my dad's a Pisces sun. So you can imagine that, that, that they were searching for someone who could help them deal with everyday reality. And you can also imagine how the two of them birthed me, <laughs> like someone who's just marinating and metaphor and figurative language all the time. I like, it's just really difficult for sometimes for me to, to deal with the, the, the daily um, routine of life. But th these are some of the lessons in my chart, having a Virgo stellium myself, um, having to learn how to deal with reality, um, but while also having one foot in that other, in that other world. Again, it's not separate, okay? Like you learn this as you study like monks who chop wood and carry water some of the most spiritual activities that they do and some of the most meditative experiences are the, mo the most mundane. So these are some of the things we're dealing with at a full moon like this too, where we're, we're un trying to understand meaning through doing some of the, the mundane of our life. Carol says, give you a lot of credit for your exploration. Oh, thanks, Carol. I mean, I'm just uh, trying to be open-minded and I will, I will give a lot of credit to all of you as a community for bringing new knowledge, 
to my awareness. Like that book I'm reading came to me from from Devin in the in the chat. And um, I love that. I love when I get book recommendations. And we had a really nice moment the other last week where uh, I reflected a passage back to Devin when he asked a question about his Scorpio placement or with, about Mars and Uranus and Taurus. And um, it, it really hammered the point home. Hammering is not the right word, but it really showed us the, the cycles of exchange of knowledge and you may suggest something to somebody and they may reflect it back to you through a different lens and through a different story and through a different moment in time. And it's really, that's an important way of learning is that cultural exchange, that oral tradition of exchange that we have lost in a lot of ways. The journey of becoming better self, that's a great name, says, which house system are you using? Uh, well, friend, I use whole sign houses uh, for natal readings and for these transits. Although I will say that, that there are multiple ways of climbing the mountain and Hellenistic astrologers will generally use, uh, from what I've learned, they will use whole sign for topics. They will use uh, quadrant based houses, which is what a lot of people were familiar with, with Placidus houses in modern astrology for timing techniques such as length of life or for pl finding planetary strength. So in, in all the readings that I do here and in my personal work, I'm, I've mostly stick with whole sign houses. Jennifer says, I'll have to look at that myth again. Yeah, check it out. My sister has a Virgo rising and I have a Pisces moon, Jupiter, uh, moon and Jupiter. So I frustrate her with my pie in the sky outlook. <laughs> and here's the beautiful thing, Jennifer. We're all teaching one another. We all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, we all have points of genius and points of focus. And if we go to extremes in, in either one of these things, we're out of balance. So how can you find balance with the people in your life? So for me, having all those Virgo step-parents, Jennifer, brought me into balance. It, it, it helped me to see that I needed to deal with some of the practical parts of life. They were teachers for me. We butted heads a lot. And I like to think that I help teach them about finding their why. I've had a lot of interesting conversations with my stepfather in, in particular, who's a Virgo son, about finding meaning and seeing the bigger picture and getting outside of a, a narrow way of thinking. So we're, we're all teaching one another uh, at various points of our life. Okay, let's keep going, friends. So that, again, was Sand Talk by Tyson Yunkaporta and the excerpt that we read from that. Please check that book out. Maybe if enough people are interested, I could do a guided group with that uh, where we do, like, a guided group study. I'd like to read the entire book first, but I think it's, uh, I think it's worthy uh, of a group study, of an in integrative divination group study. Devin says it's only through our combined understanding that we can see the whole picture. Absolutely. Absolutely. And why that's so hard to understand for the powers that be is, is beyond me. Okay, let's go back to this full moon and talk about some of the parts that we're experiencing here. Let's put it over there. So back to our full moon in Virgo. Uh, we've kind of outlined so far the, the value of nonlinear thinking, of letting go 
needing to put everything into a category of letting go the, the need to feel like we have all the details because we won't. At this full moon, we're going to have to be patient and surrender until more information gets revealed to us a couple days later. It's not like it's going to be forever, but we're going to have to practice that patience. So here in our full moon, we have this trine to, from the moon to Jupiter. Okay, you can see that trine there. So this is something else that we should uh, understand about this full moon, is that through exploring pro our process, but not getting too fixated on the how, we might be able to bring about a new sense of balance between work and play, between healthy habits and routines. You know, Jupiter is a really important player in this full moon uh, because it is hosting Mercury, Saturn, and the Sun uh, and with the trine to the moon. So Mer Jupiter is providing a lot of uh, resources for this full moon. Even though Mercury technically is the host of the moon, Jupiter really is bringing us a lot uh, in this, this, this moment in time. So what is Jupiter asking for us? Well, Taurus too, for those of you who, you know, were talking about my natal moon placement, I have the moon in Taurus too. So it's, it's, uh, it is a lunar decan. So it is about finding the right rhythms, the right uh, uh, ability to show up for your life consistently, to understand when to take action and when to allow things to happen. Um, it is ruled by, uh, I believe there is a daimon or spirit associated with that called the horai, which roughly translates to the hours or to the seasons. So this is about learning about there is a season for everything in our life. There is a, time, a right timing. Uh, when we come into alignment with uh, like the right timing for spring is the time to initiate a new growth process. You might not want to plant your garden in the beginning of winter because the conditions aren't right for it. Jupiter and Taurus too, and Taurus too in general, teaches us that the con about what the right conditions are and the right timing to be able to create abundance and growth. It is a decan where the, the fields have become fructified or fertile, and they're ready to be planted with new seeds. So Jupiter often shows us the actions that we can take through our conscious mind or through our conscious self to be able to bring honor and merit into our life. It is of the, the solar sect, so it can also show us the way that we can um, be acknowledged for the good that we've done out in the world. So when we when we look at Jupiter, you know, Venus often is, just to contrast that, Venus can show us the good fortune that will come to us through surrendering or through allowing something in our life. Maybe through not even something that we did. Maybe it was just, it's the, the distribution of 2K or the randomness of chance, the good fortune that we, we receive through chance. Jupiter is, uh, translates, you know, the house of Jupiter translates to Agatha, Agatha Daimon, okay? That is the, the good spirit. So this is the, the, what is motivating us from a higher place to take action through our conscious awareness. 
So when Jupiter is in a Venusian place, we have to know when to rest, when to play, when to learn to accept things in our life. And, and you know, if you've ever, any of you are gardeners or farmers out there, you, you know that timing is, is everything. And sometimes there's days when you just can't go out and do the work when it's raining or it's snowing or, or you need to wait for the conditions to be right. And I think that's what we're learning here at this full moon in particular. Uh, Devin says, Juke, juke, this full moon is so receptive and collective, holding sanctity and finding sanctuary. I agree with that, friend. I agree with that. This is a, to me, there's a, there's a, a peace and a calmness to this full moon. Even though generally, sometimes when we have a full moon in, in Virgo, we can have anxiety about uh, whether we're doing it right. Okay, like the, the anxiety that Virgo feels is the, is the awareness of the pending winter, right? Think of it as the harvest season where we know that we need to do, get this work done or we might lose the abundance that we grew over the summer. I think that this, this particular full moon says, relax a little bit. It, it isn't, if you don't get it all done right now, the world's not going to end. You know, like there needs to be, uh, there's more information that needs to come to you and you're not going to be able to force it. There's no forcing it at this full moon. A lot of times Virgo folks want to be like, okay, if I only do it this way, if I only have another system that I can implement, that'll cor correct the situation. And I don't think that that's the case here. I think that this is not one of corrective systems. This is, this is a full moon of surrendering and staying connected to our why. Dimphy says in a poem by Rainier Maria Rilke, Was mich bechwet. I don't know if I'm saying that right, if that's Dutch. <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce that. Uh, this is beautifully described. It may be called patience in English. Oh, good. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Corey from Iowa City. Nice to see you, Corey. Uh, it's hard to remember lately that it's not actually spring here in the upper Midwest. Oh, absolutely. It's been... We had some very nice spring-like weather for the last week, and today it snowed, so it's false spring, right? Can tell even the critters are feeling confused about what season it is. And yeah, like, sometimes nature is our best teacher with all of this. I mean, think about how can... It feels very Mercury in Pisces. Even though Mercury isn't in Pisces technically yet, it is a metaphor. We're comparing one thing to the other. Like, we're, we're in our rational minds, we're like, it should be winter but it feels like spring. So we, we're sort of having to just surrender to the process. We can't make plans when we have the weather still trying to figure things out, okay? We can't say this is the system that we have to apply to it because things are in flux, things are changing. And that's very true of, of Pisces season. Is we, it is a season of change, of transition. And sometimes we have to be flexible in that. Journey of becoming the better self says, gratitude for the kind words in your answer. Trying to wrap my head around transits. Do transits affect all of us differently based on our natal chart? What to take into account when looking at transits? Um, let, me, let me wrap my head around that for a second. Um, I guess the simplest answer is yes and no. Uh, I would say that we all are experiencing some facet of the transit collectively, and 
we are also experiencing the transits in relationship to the planets that were infused into our birth chart. So, like for example, we all might see a similar story on the news, and we're all experiencing the, like for, somebody was talking about Mars-Pluto the other day, uh, and I don't, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because it's negative, but they, they're talking about the weaponization of information, and like, they were talking about like a cyber threat or something like that. We might experience that story differently based on our own subjective perspective of the planetary influences in our own natal chart. For some, like let's say that you are an IT person, you might be like, oh my God, that's gonna create so much work for me. All right, and you would say, because maybe you have a bunch of planets and let's say, let's say Virgo, for example. And you're like, oh man, I'm gonna have to do a lot of work. I'm gonna have to. You feel a lot of anxiety with it. Let's say that you are living out in the middle of nowhere, and you don't even have access to the internet. And someone told you about this story from word of mouth, and then you just go back at looking at the river for <laughs> for some time. Maybe you have some Pisces Pisces placements where you're just like, all right, that's great. Now I'm gonna go back to being in the oceanic consciousness of spirit or something of that nature. So we, we all are gonna experience some of the similar themes, but how, what we do with it, how we filter it through our own subjective experience changes based on our natal chart. And that's really one, of the, that's the beauty of astrology is being able to see that we may not experience every single event like someone else and just appreciating that difference. If he says it's Austrian, written in German, referring to the poem. Uh, Corey says, it was literally 70 degrees here last week. I work at a farm in an agricultural store, and the farmers are so eager to get out in the fields. I keep advising caution and patience, but winter's window is closing. Yeah, and the seasons are changing, Corey. You know, climate change is, the farmers probably know this better than anybody else. Climate change is a reality, and, and we need to kind of respect the fact that the knowledge that we had about seasons is different and it's going to be different based on the the fluctuations of life um i know some people get upset about even the word mentioning the word climate change but uh my observed reality ha has shown me that a lot of the weather patterns that we have become to rely on are no longer reliable so it's a combination of you know scientific uh, information and lived experience. Okay. Jennifer says, it's time for planning. Yes, Jennifer, I think that it could be time for planning. Um, but I will also say, leave some room in this full moon period for new information. The most frustrating thing I think that you, you could do, Jennifer, right now, is make a bunch of plans that are very detailed and then realize later that you you had only half of the picture i really feel like that's what we're doing here is is if you make detailed plans right now or mercury's and in, in pisces and before you get the moment of clarity and awareness of mercury sun and saturn you, you may have uh 
wasted some of your energy. So yes, plan, but also take time to be in the stream of consciousness that allows you to be. I think that's really important with this full moon. How can we allow ourselves to just be? Western civilization is so concerned with plans and what are we gonna do? How are we gonna grow? How are we gonna blah, blah, blah? It's exhausting. And what I think some of the indigenous wisdom that we can return to, and again, I don't wanna just completely idealize all of that and, or, or appropriate it in a, in a way that is um, exploitive. But I do think that one of the things that I'm taking from this book is that we don't have to just force it all the time. We've lost the ability to just be. And I understand that the stress of like the economy and affording things and all of those things. But do yourself a favor, Jennifer and everyone listening here. Just take some time out to, to watch a bird on a branch. To watch the way this, if you're in Michigan, watch the way the snowflakes fall and the patterns that they make. Not for any purpose, just enjoy it. Look at the way that the little crocuses are starting to poke out of, out of the, the ground. Just appreciate it for its beauty. Uh, let your mind wander and don't beat yourself up for it. I think that these are the things that are really important for us to, to make time for. Corey says, the average high is 28 degrees. It's just hard to reconcile in my Virgo brain, 70 degrees on February 8th. Yeah, we are in unprecedented times, my friend. Unprecedented times. And we're gonna have to be flexible. And we're gonna have to learn how to survive within it. And we were born into this time for a reason. We were born into this time to, to be able to understand how to live in a transitionary culture. And the sooner we accept that, the, the sooner we will be on the way and the pathway to creating solutions rather than, than living in denial. I'm not saying you personally, but it just as a, as a community. Yeah, more like big picture planning. Yes, Jennifer, that, I, I, absolutely, that would, that would be a, best, a better way to, to do it. Like, uh, where is your ultimate goal, right? Where, what, what, I would say, Jennifer, if you're doing planning, I think an effective way to deal with this full moon is asking yourself, what are the values that I want in my life? Not what do I want it to look like, not the form. What is the essence that I'm shooting for or that I'm striving for or whatever it is that I would like to see in my life? What are the... What are the, the, the uh, motivations that I have? And if you can get clear about what your motivations are, the plan will fall into place. And you will be able to take actions that are much more, will bring you from point A to point B much faster. This, I think, is the secret to Pisces, the Pisces-Virgo axis. When you are clear about what you want and who you are and what your values are, it makes the actions that you take, the practical actions, so much more efficient. How inefficient is it when we are indecisive about who we are and what we want to achieve? It's, it pulls us in so many different directions. So here is an opportunity to get clear about who you are, what you value, and allow yourself to be. 
Corey says, but yes, climate change has come. Also supposed to have a once in a 17 year cicadas hatching this spring. Joy, oh nice. You know, Corey, th this, that we had a big hatching of the 17 year cicadas uh, maybe two or three years ago in our area. And maybe that they go in cycles in different areas. But it was wild. Like we went out and it was just like, it was a plague of locusts, you know, <laughs> like it was, it was very cool. And it was, there was a little bit of an unsettled feeling to it, but they were just everywhere, everywhere. Um, and they had, there was some that had this really interesting, tragic actually fungus that was sort of like basically consuming them. That was uh, difficult to witness, but yeah, it, it was a worthy experience. And I hope that you're able to to experience that in your area as well. Rachel says, watching the Blue Jays outside my office window grounds me and brings me joy each day. Me too, Rachel. I love watching the birds uh, in my area and the squirrels. And I take time every morning in my ritual practice to just spend about 45 minutes in prayer and meditation. Uh, I say a prayer to the planet of the day and, and to some various other guides and oftentimes I just after I've said my prayer I, I I'm in a liminal space where I'm just staring out the window and allowing whatever it is to speak back to me uh, and oftentimes I'll see I'll see and hear the birds and and the squirrels and just lose myself in the activities that they're going about with their life and it really does ground you because what it teaches you is that Human beings don't necessarily have to be the center of consciousness all the time. There are all sorts of other creatures that we're sharing this earth with. And yes, maybe we are a custodial species, okay, where we're, we're entrusted with the responsibilities of making sure the systems still work and not destroying them. We're doing a terrible job at it, by the way. But I think just seeing that there are other creatures living completely different lives and how all of those systems interact with one another is super important. Uh, and it gets you out of our, of our, mm, Tyson Yunkaporta calls it our narcissism. And I, I have difficulty disagreeing with him. I think that we do have uh, a cultural narcissism of a me culture. And, and just as a human species, sometimes the human narcissism of centering ourselves in, in our worlds. And the, the more that we can dismantle that way of thinking and start to to see how we can be just a part of a, a world community. I think the sooner we'll bring about peace. Jennifer says, I've been watching birds come to the feeder, have a northern yellow-bellied flicker. My other woodpeckers, oh, that's so nice, Jennifer. I love flickers. Um, I, I love the, they, they, they love to eat ants, so sometimes you'll see them on the ground and they'll be digging for ants. It's beautiful. Devin says, yes, Pisces helps Virgo to dream. Virgo helps Pisces find the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Every, every um, axis of opposition has something to offer the other. And they're complementary. They don't have to be at odds with one another. I think that's the thing. Like, like they're, they're offering a gift to one another. Jennifer says, yes, definitely integrating self from reflection. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's important to, to do that, you know, and to, to take time and make space for it. Our lives are so packed full 
of errands, of anxieties, of thoughts, of distractions. And when you remove some of those distractions, you are able to hear the voice of the eternal. And the, and, I, and it's not like anything specific. It's not like I literally hear a voice in my head. It's, it is a feeling of connection that is hard to get when you stuff your life full of empty calories. Um, so how can we find depth? And that's another Piscean, I think, um, another gift from Pisces is finding depth. Okay, so we've got that full moon trying Jupiter. We've broken that down. A couple other features of this new moon, full moon, excuse me. Mars and Venus are going to be squaring that Jupiter. So here, here's our blue for this Aquarius placement stack up. And let's do green for Jupiter and, and Taurus and red for the square. <laughs> like, okay, so we've got these two planets that are bringing us some challenges at this full moon. So what are we going to be dealing with here? Well, we've already talked about what Jupiter might be asking of us, of taking things slow, of patience, of finding the right rhythm and routine in our life, the balance between work and play, of learning to do what needs to be done and then to receive the, the movement of the seasons and of the natural forces that need to take place. Again, like the wisdom of the, that decan is, if you think about it in gardening terms, okay, if you think about it in the way where you have to water a plant just the right amount that it needs at various times, but if you overwater it, you can kill it. So we have to think about that as a metaphor for other things in our life. If we're overwatering another, like a relationship, for example, let's, let's compare one thing to another and find the things that they have in common. Let's, let's model this behavior here. Let's say that you are showering love on a partner, but it's too much, and you want to spend every second, every waking moment with them. You're overwatering that relationship, and eventually it can get soggy, and you need some space, and it needs to dry out a little bit. Uh, so, so this is kind of the metaphor we're working through. Um, so, and that's just one example. It could be something else in your life. It doesn't have to be a relationship. It could be a uh, it could be a book. Like, let's, let's take Stephen's example. If Stephen is working on his book 24 hours a day and never taking time to look out the window and reflect and receive new inspiration, he's going to exhaust himself. And it's not going to be effective, efficient, or his best work. So he's going to have, need to take time to rest and to receive inspiration as he goes about the writing process. Just like we need to do when we're uh, any type of artist, we need to learn to refill the well, or what comes out of us isn't inspired, it's not connected. Now, Mars and Venus, by the time they make the, the exact square to Jupiter, are going to be in the second decan of Aquarius. And that decan is related to the Six of Swords. It sees someone moving from one shore to another, being ferried across uh, a river, a pond, a lake, an ocean. It, it has... Uh, significations about communicating between the center and the peripheral. Um, it is associated with the movement of refugees and being in a transitory phase. So 
we may want to find the right rhythm at this full moon. But we are still in a transitionary process. We are still gathering information and trying to understand what the new circumstance is going to require of us. And that's not because we have failed in any regard. It, it is because that's just the nature of the time, the moment, okay? So this is, this is something where we're probably, you know, feeling a little bit uh, out, of, out of place, out of time, out of whatever, um, we are dealing with two planets that are in the overcoming position to Jupiter, which means that they are in the position of power. They have the upper hand in, in traditional astrology. Now, Venus is going to be providing benefit from that position, and Mars is going to be providing challenges. I would say that Venus might be helping to smooth out some of the martial challenges, but Mars is going to be trying to disrupt our steady routines, our, our attempts to find inner peace, probably through social challenges. I know as uh, a sensitive person, the news cycle and the, the year that we're heading into is probably not going to be great for attaining inner peace. Uh, it is many of the rhetoric that we get in, a, in an election year in particular in America or in other places is specifically crafted to throw you off of your equilibrium and to separate and divide you. Um, and that's not great for inner peace and inner harmony and inner unity. I'm not saying it is impossible to do that within it, but circumstances are, are creating tension between that. So it, we may not have a great answer for reconciling all of that right now. We've got, of course, the atrocities that are being perpetrated in the Middle East right now. Those are very painful to witness. We may feel helpless around that. You know, we're many people are calling for peace and ceasefire. I, I, I support that. Um, I think that it's hard sometimes for us to feel sort of the, uh, I don't know, to be able to just go off into nature and ignore things when we see people suffering, right? And this is really a tough thing for me too, because my instincts are like, I just need to go off and meditate in the woods. And I've learned, though, that that can be just as difficult. And um, what I have learned from that, let me, let me gather my thoughts for a second here. What I've learned through various experiences is that that is okay for a period of time to recenter yourself. But because of the fact that we share this planet and that our actions have an effect on one another, whether we're in one country or another, whether in one city or another, one state or another, you just can't escape the collective, uh, the collective actions. I tried. I, I will say this. I tried. I, for those of you who aren't familiar, I, my partner and I tried to buy a farm uh, in about 2016 or so and live off the grid. Our goal was to just completely disconnect from society and be self-sufficient. 
And what we learned in that process, it was like a five-acre farm in Michigan. Um, when we got closer to the closing date, we had put an offer in. It was accepted. We were making plans to renovate the place. It was really, the house was kind of messed up. We found a, we found a document um, that was a failed water test for the, for the well. And it talked about uh, toxic chemicals in the water. And we did some research on that um, and basically learned that half a mile up the road, someone had polluted in the late 60s and early 70s had polluted the, the water table with 250, uh, 2,500 55-gallon barrels of toxic VOC chemicals like paint thinners and things of that nature. And it had completely destroyed the watershed there. And it was a, a technically a super fund site um, that was had money allocated to it, but the money ran out. So they actually discovered that this existed because they were putting in telephone lines and the workers for like AT&T or something like that were passing out because they were digging new telephone lines and they had released these, these VOC chemicals, these volatile chemicals. Um, and uh, that was a really interesting moment for me personally, recognizing that there is no escape for, from the challenges that face us as a community. There is no retreating into some idyllic world. And this was reaffirmed to me through seeing uh, wildfire smoke from both Canada and, and the west coast of the United States darkening the sun and making it hard for me to breathe in the Midwest, even though there was no fire uh, in my backyard. It just shows you the interconnectedness of these things. So while you might want to escape and put your head in the sand or go off and meditate in the woods, which I think you should do some of that to pace yourself so that you can know when your moment comes to speak up or to, to be a voice for the, for the oppressed. Um, just recognize that, that as above, so below, as within, so without, as foreign, so domestic, etc. And I think that will help you to make the decisions. And again, with the nature of modern technology, communications, news media cycles, 24-hour news networks, it's very easy to get overwhelmed with information and they get overloaded with tragedy. Um, and to also keep in mind that some of those types of streams of information are specifically set up to keep you watching and to rile you up and things of that nature. Not to say that there aren't horrific things happening, there are. Um, but in ancient civilizations, we had to deal with a tragedy intermittently. It wasn't a, a tragedy 24 seven. So I, I, I encourage all of you to, to pace yourself, to take time out to connect with your why and your meaning, to, but to also stay engaged and to also know when your moment will come. Um, you'll know, and it will, it will affect you very personally. It'll, you'll know when your unique skill set and your unique voice is needed. Uh, I feel like at this moment in time on this channel, what, and we talked about it earlier today. What I'm hoping to provide is just a little bit of calm and some peace.
maybe a different perspective on things, maybe an oasis that will help you recenter so that you can be the change that you need to be out in the world without getting riled up. This isn't a place for us to rile each other up. You'll see me get riled up every once in a while. But if I get riled up every single minute of every single day, then my words stop having meaning. If you get riled up every single moment of every single day, your righteous indignation won't have meaning. Save it for when it has impact and when it has meaning. This is sort of like the boy that cries wolf. Like Eventually, sometimes people will tune us out if we're just shouting all the time. It's, it's about modulating your voice. Sometimes you do need to shout. Sometimes you do need to yell. Sometimes you need to whisper. Sometimes you need silence. All of those things are important. So I'm just going to check in with the chat here. So that's, those are some of my thoughts with the Mars-Venus square with Jupiter. We're going through a difficult social time that might make it difficult for us to get the inner peace that we may desire. And I'm going to check in with the comments here. And then we've got a couple more things to unpack, and then we'll get into some of the rising sign uh, significations. Um, let's see. Corey says, I'll keep you posted on the cicada bloom. Last time it happened here, I was 14 and living in the southeast. It'll be my first time. All I know is, fuck the cicada wasp killer. Or killer, cicada killer wasp, yes. Uh, is, is that the one that, 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 there's like a fungus that um, is killing the cicadas. Is that part of the wasp interaction? I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, remember. I know that there was a fungus that was just basically eating the cicadas, like, from the inside out, and maybe it's related to those wasps. Devin says, we are the center of our world. However, that doesn't mean the world is subservient to us. Like Dr. Robin Wall Kimmerer says, we are supposed to live in reciprocity with the world. Ooh, I like that, Devin. And yeah, we all, we, we all are individual points of consciousness that, that it's very difficult to, to not view the world through a subjective lens. But again, studying nature and studying ecosystems, you'll see that there is an interdependence that we really need to understand, not just with human beings to human beings, which if we started there, it would be a great start, but just with human beings and with other natural forces as well. It's, it's high, high time, way past the time for us to, to understand that this world isn't just a playground for the human species, that there are other species that we share this planet with that are just as worthy of respect and of resources and of life. And we don't have to keep doing it this way. I'm so fucking frustrated with the, like, with the, with the narcissism, the human narcissism. And it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going through it right now. I'm going through it. It's tough. Um, but again, you have to center yourself in those moments, right? If you if you let yourself get overwhelmed, then who, what good are you going to be when it's when your moment does come to speak up? Corey says it's so wild how actions have consequences. <laughs> this Saturn talking. There's so much greed and so little regard for ecological impact. Whoever is responsible, a company or individual, should be held accountable. I agree with that, Corey, and we are in Aquarius stack up right now as I record this, and Saturn is a planet of consequences. Um, 
And it's tough to know. It's it's tough because we all want to point fingers, and I I tried to do less of that on the channel because I think that I think it's much more powerful for us to take individual responsibility rather than to point fingers. I I, I do believe that systemic change is important and is necessary. Um, and I do believe in individual responsibility, but it's, it's both, right? Um, and I will say that as someone who has been dealing with these feelings for much of my life, it's so much easier to call in than to call out. And you get more people on board when you call them in and show them what could be and model that rather than continuing to call out and creating resistance through making someone feel less than. That's a, that's a problem. When we make others less than, whether it's an individual, a company, a government, whatever it is, all we're doing is creating resistance. So how do we call in? It's super important. Uh, Prudence giving us some nice feedback here. Yeah, Prudence, hope you're doing well out in Canada. And Tracy's here today. Nice to see you, Tracy. Getting some love from you. Thank you. Corey says, it's a wasp that is so, so large and territorial. I think the size of a tennis ball. Oh my gosh. Burrows in the ground. That's crazy. That's crazy. But also, it plays some sort of role in the ecosystem. And we've, we've introduced non-native species and that's messed up our ecosystem, so we have to restore native things and native pollinators and remove non-native species so that the balance, the, the very fragile balance, can be restored. And that's really great work that uh, I'm trying to do more with planting natives in my yard and uh, creating the environment and an oasis for some of the insects that, that would thrive through that. Prudence says, love to all folks in minorities who are living in environments that don't give them the luxury of chilling out or taking a break from tragedy. Absolutely, Prudence, and it's a really great point. Um, it is very difficult to, you know, there's people that are living in situations where like, they don't have that luxury, right? You're, you're exactly right. And our voice is needed to be able to speak up for them. Um, I will say this, just, just pace yourself, Prudence, when, when you're speaking out, like, and when you are, take, practice self-care along with, with using your voice. Um, I think that if you are able to do so, you're going to be a much more powerful force for that. Um, and keep in mind, like, that's true. In, you know, North America, most places in North America, for, we do have the, the peace privilege. I've never taken that for granted, and I never will, because just being able to see the news cycle, how just people are just struggling even to to not be afraid that their house is going to get bombed out. I mean, that's that's a fear that most of us in Canada, the United States, Australia, etc., and most parts of Europe haven't really experienced. You know, haven't we haven't experienced that that type of thing. Um, and it should never be taken for granted. Okay. Jennifer says, my dad has that calm vibe for me. I go to him for advice because of it. Oh, that's good, Jennifer. Well, I hope that I can be 
a voice of calm voice of reason. I don't have all the answers, friends. I'm not a perfect person. I'm just trying to survive and keep my my own equilibrium throughout these challenges. Um, I'm not this calm all the time. Like it's it takes practice and it takes uh, I don't know. There are times when I just get overwhelmed with with how crappy a lot of the experiences are on this planet and how unfair it is. Uh, and sometimes I will let myself surrender my feelings to it, which is good. Sometimes it's good to feel those things. But if it, if it makes it difficult to function day to day, then that's when the equilibrium needs to be restored. So I don't know, it's a tough, tough question to answer. And I, I hope and pray that any of you listening to this uh, understand that I'm not minimizing any of the tragedies in the world and absolutely not telling people to ignore them. Uh, it's just more of a, how can we be good agents of change and, and uh, have a balance between the, you know, really being able to engage with it from our, our, our centeredness and connecting with the center of the wheel. If you constantly connect yourself to the spokes of change, you will be thrust about by all of these changes. I think that the other thing that I'm trying to connect to on some level is seeing the much, much larger cycles. Nature will teach you, will humble you to show you that this is part of a much, much larger cycle of change and if we constantly get thrust about by every up and down, twist and turn, um, it's just we're going to exhaust our nervous system. Um, but again, I'll speak out both sides of my mouth. Don't ignore, uh, don't ignore tragedies that need people to speak up for. Okay. What's up, Ani? Nice to see you here today. Corey says, it's easy to point fingers, but reluctance to point fingers can itself be a problem with accountability vacuum. Also, do have a dignified Saturn. Okay. Yeah, sure. And that might be your role. And that's the thing. That's why we need a Corey from Iowa City. Um, maybe you're the finger pointer. And that's why we need a Prudence from, from the western part of Canada. You know, that's why we need a Jennifer from, from Michigan. That's why we need Tracy. That's why we need all of these different perspectives. And if, if my role here is to be a balancing, calming presence so that the finger pointers can do their finger pointing from a place of clarity and a place of balance, then maybe that's Spencer's role. And I don't know, the roles are gonna change. Your role is not gonna be the same every single moment of the day or of the week, of the month, etc. So one person might be playing out a certain role in real time and then we can hand off the ball and, and you know, like take on a different role. So one of the things that I think is important is not to get attached to our role. Do you see what I'm saying? Like that's when we're attached to our, to ego, you know? When we say, this is who I am and this is what I'm here to do and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, maybe that is what you're here to do in the moment but it might be different at a different point in your life. When I was 20, 
I would I would tell every, anybody and everybody about my particular value system uh, and how I saw it in the world. And I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And to be honest with you, what I believe then, I don't believe now. So that was my subjective perspective in that moment. Um, so allow yourselves to change and allow yourselves to play different roles in different times. But yes, if we should speak up for for those who don't have voices. So let's finish this uh, analysis of the full moon by recognizing the moon going void of course. Uh, and I'm going to remove this little thing here. What I'm going to show you is that I'm going to show you the, the process. Okay, so here is the moon moving in real time after the full moon. And the first aspect that it makes, just any aspect, is trying to Jupiter. Now, it's not technically the, the Hellenistic first aspect that shows us what the moon could, be, uh, could mean for us because of a concept called being under the bond. So the moon being under the bond means that it's within a 15 degree orb on either side of a conjunction with the sun or an opposition with the sun. And it, it sort of means that manifestation isn't necessarily happening during that period of time. It's kind of held in check. But what we are seeing with the moon trining Jupiter is once this trine to Jupiter happens, there is no other traditional aspect to one of the visible seven planets until much, much later, till days later. So this point from whatever this time is here, from the trine, from 6.30ish Eastern time on February the 24th, shortly after the full moon, until all the way until we get into Libra, okay? This no aspect, no aspect, void of course, void of course, okay? We're going to see uh, that, I believe, we're going to get all the way into the trine to Mars, okay? So that's the, the next aspect that ends the VOC right about here, okay? So here's the trine between the moon and Mars, which is all the way to, into Tuesday, February 27th, a whole three days later, okay? So my advice for this VOC moment, if something comes to your awareness during the full moon, which oftentimes things will come to our awareness, you don't necessarily need to do anything about it for at least three days. You can just marinate in it, okay? You can find what does it mean to you? doesn't mean what do we do because Virgo says oh I got to do this I got to change this I got to rearrange this I got to fix it the void of course moon after this full moon says no slow down there's not much you can do about it until you get more information okay until until okay we got that first aspect which is the 11 degree trine with with Mars here okay and then it'll be a few hours after this actually it's here it is there's 11 degrees and that moon is on the fixed star called Vindemiatrix, which is not a, not a super nice fixed star. It's called the Widowmaker. Sometimes we'll 
bring us into an awareness of loss, a loss of something that was important to us. Um, and that's not to, you know, make you afraid of this aspect. It is a trine. So there might be something like that. It's, it's also pretty close to a fixed star called Algarab, uh, which speaks to distractions. So we need to be able to avoid distractions during this period of time. But what I do think that we're going to see is this is all building up to the Sun-Saturn-Mercury conjunction that happens on the 28th, okay? So here you can see at about 9 degrees of Pisces, all of these planets coming together. And this, to me, is the moment of clarity. And how clear it is going to be, I'm, I don't know. Because Mercury is still in Pisces. Pisces is sort of like, like think about trying to view the bottom of the ocean through a, a, a few feet of water. There's distortions. So I still think that this could be a time where information could be distorted. But, but I think this is a, a more of a moment of clarity than the full moon. So long story short, don't trust all of the information that you get at the full moon. You don't necessarily need to act and try to organize that information into an actionable uh, sequence. You have a three-day void, of course, moon period after the full moon to just reflect, feel your feelings, clear out the clutter, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical. And then there will be an initiatory moment with Mercury, Sun, and Saturn coming together in the first decade of Pisces. Probably the birth of some sort of creative awareness, okay? Really, a really, could be a really important moment, especially for creative thinking, non-linear thinking, okay? You may have to, for those of you who have heavy Virgo placements or, or want to get the Virgo parts of things done, you, you may not be taking an action that is, is going to be the most efficient if you try to do something too soon, too quickly at the full moon, okay? You may have to redo something because of a mistake because you don't have all the information yet. So take it from your friendly neighborhood astrologer that if you are patient through this process, through this full moon, um, you will probably be saving yourself a headache of having to redo it and of having to do it completely restart, you know, once you get more information at this Mercury, Sun, Saturn stack up. Okay. Corey says, my mother is a Sun, Saturn, in Pisces, and she is not the poster child for clarity. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Um, yeah, the, there's different, different ways of dealing with Saturn. Um, and I'll go over that in a second when we talk about that decan of Pisces. Kate says, I'm tuning in now just after sending an email to my kid's principal asking for a meeting. Oh my goodness, Kate, you have a, a, a showdown with authority. Well, if something comes to a head at the full moon, just take your time and you don't necessarily need to do anything uh, in, the, in the three or four days afterwards. Let, let it unfold and surrender to the process. Tracy says that they have a 12th house Virgo stellium natally. Well, that's, that's cool. Try not to overthink the process, Tracy. Corey says, hey, favorite thing to say is that's reality. And it's like, no, girl, that's your distortion of reality. <laughs> sure. But Corey, I could say that's true for everybody. And maybe it is especially true for your mom, um, but we all have a somewhat distorted reality through our own subjective lens. And you know what? That's okay. 
advocates is they are advocating for their kid through what seems to be an unfair punishment to chime in and see stuff about justice is kind of neat. Well, good luck with that, Kate. You know, again, let the process unfold. Um, you might get more information that will allow you to, to take uh, a more enlightened action rather than trying to force something at the full moon. Okay, let's go over and let me show you the Decans of Pisces. I'm just going to add this to the stage here. We are dealing with the Decan of Pisces that of course is related to the Eight of Cups, as I've said. So some themes that we might be able to reflect upon. Beginning an inner journey, uh, surrendering to our emotions, leaving material success behind in search of a higher purpose, uh, confronting narrative loops. This is an interesting uh, thread that Ariadne's thread, I guess, as we were talking about Ariadne earlier. De uh, Austin Cobbett calls this deck in the labyrinth, and that's in re reference to the, I think, the labyrinth of the Minotaur, and Ariadne was someone who helped Theseus uh, navigate the labyrinth by allowing him to hold on to a thread that she, that then led him back out of the labyrinth. So we may have these narrative loops that we're, we keep going through and into and around and circular and whatnot. And I think that Pisces won being a Saturn ruled Deccan helps us to maybe get a reality check about the stories that we craft our reality around. So we might be getting a pretty significant reality check about how we shape our reality through the metaphors that we consider truth or gospel or through the lenses that we view reality through. Um, one thing I've learned, too, in my life is that my subjective reality isn't everyone else's subjective reality, as difficult as that may be to understand. At times, we just accept the, the, the lens that we see the world through is the capital T truth. And that's a mistake. There is so much relativity and gray area in, in the world. There is subjective truth. And I think that this is part of why we have all these, these wars, battles, etc., because people are so attached to their subjective perspective that they're getting stuck in the narrative loops. Many of the, the conflicts you see in the news cycle are the result of a subjective narrative loop that, that someone has become so vehemently attached to that they can't see through someone else's eyes. And I would highly encourage all of you to look through the lens of somebody else through this particular time, or at least attempt to. You'll never be able to do that completely, okay? But the just the attempt is an important part of the process. Uh, understanding the mythic structure of life is super important. I think that we have different uh, different mythologies different stories that give us meaning. Uh, every single one of you has a story from your childhood or your youth that is informing your actions today. And every once in a while, hopefully, I mean, the most enlightened of us are constantly reevaluating these and, and are letting go of ones that aren't serving us. But that's not always how it works. Sometimes they're just operating in the background. And when we go through the, the Pisces you know, Mercury, Saturn, uh, 
conjunction, it's a great time to, to, to re-examine those narrative loops and discard the ones that aren't serving us and discard the ones that aren't a reflection of who we are and what we believe today. Just because something was the right answer in the past does not mean that it's the right answer now. Just because something was the wrong answer in the past does not mean that it's not the right answer now. And those are important things and, and moments in our lives. And this might be something we're heading towards. Uh, Pisces also, there. Liz Green talks about the story of Odysseus in regards to Pisces and this wanderer that's trying to find its way home but gets sidetracked on a lot of you know subplots or side missions uh, one of which is the sirens attempting to pull Odysseus and his crew off of their destination home so what siren song is calling to you maybe there's some distant truth that is calling to you that that causes you to leave your your current path sometimes that's okay too you know, if you think about Pisces as the ninth house in the Thema Mundi, the teaching chart of Hellenistic astrology, sometimes we get pulled away from action out in the world so that we can reflect and find why we're doing what we're doing. And that can lead us to taking more enlightened actions out in the world, or more effective actions. They don't even have to be more enlightened. They can just be more effective. Okay, You can be pretty ineffective when you're following a narrative that isn't a reflection of who you are. Okay, So... What material form have you outgrown? That's a great question. I've been going through a, a, a huge amount of purging in my life recently. I got rid of uh, all of you who are here for the, the odyssey of Spencer's, you know, trying to find socks and underwear. And I apologize for taking you down that rabbit hole with me. But at the end of the day, how I resolved it, it's not really resolved. You know, I, I wasn't happy with what I had and I sent it back and... I instead just started getting rid of the stuffed drawers that had a bunch of socks that had holes in them. I, I realized that in the moment I needed to get rid of the things that just were cluttering up my space before I felt comfortable adding new things. And oftentimes we, and that's a, a mundane example of something that could have more meaning for, for all of you. Sometimes we have to empty our cup before we can receive new material things or ideas especially how can you empty your mind of old stories negative emotions etc that may be blocking you from accepting a new version of yourself that could make you happier and how are we blocking that as a community through our shared stories that we accept as our as the this as society okay society is a shared narrative it's an agreement okay and we, we are not agreeing on society. There is, it's much more difficult to agree on a subjective reality or an objective reality, I guess, than it has almost ever been in history at this point because there's so much noise. But if we are to move forward under some collective ethos, we're going to have to discard some of the ones that just are from the past, some of which were important and effective for the time that they were born from. Some of them never were. Some of them were just one group trying to take advantage of another group. And being able to release that is super important for moving forward to create a more equitable society. So how can you do it collectively? How can you do it personally? 
And where will this inner journey take you? Pisces is really... Jupiter. Jupiter's role in Pisces says journey. It says go into the unknown places, the, the, the expanses of your imagination to be able to find the emotional and spiritual resources that you can bring back to your reality that will help shape it. Okay. So what truths are being revealed to you through these internal wanderings? Remember, we said not all who wander are lost. Sometimes that wandering, it may appear to be an ineffective action to, I don't know, to, to your Virgo friends. But that dreaming could be bringing you closer to the action that will actually bring you happiness rather than just be spinning your wheels. I know for me as a Virgo heavy person, there's times where I'm just doing stuff where I'm just spinning my wheels and I need to take a time out and say, why am I doing this? What is really important here? And, and that's part of this moment as well. Finally, what repetitive story is shaping your reality? And is your personal mythology creating a prison or a palace? Very important to understand that if what your stories that you're telling and accepting as your reality are keeping you in bondage, keeping you in Saturnian chains, okay, with this Deccan, or if they're helping to liberate you and others. Often the, the narratives that we were force-fed in our respective cultures have led to a continuation of oppression. And on some level, like, it wasn't our fault. We were indoctrinated into those systems. When it starts to become our personal responsibility is when we know better, is when we can see that the, the mythologies that we accepted as truth are no longer serviceable, or are damaging to the earth and to others. And if we continue on with that reality after knowing that there is a different way, that's when we start to fall into the apathy and, the, and we just become part of the problem rather than part of the solution. So we've all been there. And again, this isn't, this isn't about finger pointing. This isn't us to designed to make us feel guilt or things of that nature. It's just designed to enact change, which is the thing that we need to accept if we want to keep continuing on in a healthy fashion. Change is, that's really one of the, the beautiful parts of this existence. I'm watching a show right now, and I'm late to the party, I'm a Luddite, but I'm watching Steven Universe right now from start to finish. My partner, Tanya, and I just watch episodes of Steven Universe every evening. And there are so many beautiful life lessons in that show. One of which is, is talking about how the gems are these, these ethereal beings from another planet that are learning about life on Earth. And, and Steven himself is learning about being human and being part, part deity and part human. And they often talk about the beauty of change, the beauty of of nature on this planet. And it's, it, it's like I said, that show's surprisingly deep. I, I'm really enjoying the process there. It's, it's not always easy. It's, there's some tough things that come up, even in a lighthearted show like that. Um, but it strikes a nice balance between feeling comforting and dealing with the harder parts of, of reality and, and relationships in particular, especially family relationships. 
So that's the Pisces 1 deck in here. Uh, let me go back to some of our chats here, and then we'll take a look at the Virgo deck that we're dealing with. Corey says, husband and mother both have Saturn and Pisces 1. Uncoiling narrative loops and challenging them is literally my life's work. Oh, good. Well, that's part of their journey, right? And you, you're with your Virgo stuff, you're helping to be the, the balancing point of view. But they're also teaching you things too, Corey. They, they may be teaching you how to surrender and accept and just be sometimes too, and that, that's equally as valuable. Jennifer has Chiron in Pisces 1 decade, okay? So you may have, that might be a, 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 a point of maybe a wound that you've experienced, but also a point where you can be a teacher and helping people to, to find meaning through journeying in the mind. Kate says, rebels to some are liberators to others. Yeah, absolutely. Like everyone's the hero of their own story. Even the people who are perpetrating the worst atrocities, they've convinced themselves that they are the hero of their own story. So. So just be careful about centering yourself as, as a hero of your story because it's very, very easy to, to shift from whatever role that you're playing. That's why I hesitate to take sides and point fingers. Corey says, preach, yes, okay. Khadija is here, creating harmony. He says, can't wait to see this lunation in my first time, what, what this lunation in my first house will have for me. It's during my trip to New York City in two weeks before my exact Saturn return. Oh, Khadija. Well, we'll break that down for you in just a second here. I know we've been, we've been waxing poetic for, <laughs> for a couple hours here, but we're about to get into some of the, the specific meanings for each of you individually. Uh, Corey says, what platform are you finding Steven Universe on? When I managed to rock and gem shop locally, everyone kept telling me to check it out. Corey, there's a couple places you can find that. We're consuming that content on HBO Max, um, but it also is available on Hulu. So uh, if you have either one of those services, you can watch the series. I, I highly recommend it. it it's, it's, it's short, bite-sized um, episodes. They're about 10 to 12 minutes long, but there's really just some beautiful life lessons. There's a lot of, like I said, dealing with family dynamics and... Um, you know, questions of our mortality versus our divinity. And there's also, you know, I've, spoilers. I'm into season four and there's a lot of challenges with authoritarian power structures within it. There's themes of that as well and how to deal with that and keep your humanity when you're trying to deal with uh, oppressive regimes. I mean, there's some heavy stuff within it. So uh, there's a lot of beautiful life lessons in it and I, I highly recommend it. It's it's comforting. It's a comforting show that will also challenge you. Chris says, thank you, friend. All right, thank you, my friend. Okay, let's take a look. First of all, let's just do a little stretch break. I've been going for two hours without stretching, and I need to pay attention to my body. I've been getting lost in the, the beauty of going down these rivers of thought and emotion and spirit with all of you. Oh, there we go. You probably heard that, sorry, but that was my back. I've been sitting in one, one position. Do me a huge favor, friends, and take this opportunity to like and subscribe. Please like the video. If you wanna make a donation to the work I'm doing here today, you can buy me a super chat or a super sticker 
with the little dollar sign on YouTube. You can also buy me a coffee at buymecoffee.com, or you can sign up for a reading, or purchase a webinar, or support my beautiful partner, Tanya Andrews, at Third Coast Mojo and purchase some of her beautiful, magically elected uh, wares. Um, you can follow me over at spencermichelle.com, and you can follow at, Insta- at Spencer Michelle on Instagram and X or Twitter or whatever the hell they call it these days. So those are the sort of announcement type things. Thank you for indulging me and uh, I have a a lamp in my office that gets very hot and we have a lot of box elder bugs in our house and these bugs enjoy going into my lamp and cooking themselves and <laughs> right now one of them has done that and it's stinking up my office something terrible so uh, I apologize if I get a little distracted but the 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 wafting smell of burning box elder bug is just kind of starting to overwhelm my senses but I digress. We will power through. Death is a part of life, apparently, and we're being reminded of that on this show today. Okay. Okay, hold on a second. Maybe I need to turn the fan on or open the window or something. One moment. friends for uh, for your patience I'm in a, I'm in a closed space here and when when you've got barbecue bugs in your office stinking up your office it's hard to concentrate on the astrology that you're trying to do for the day but this is this is uh, live this is live broadcasting this is what happens you'll get you get things like this that will come up oh my goodness all right friends let's get down to it Jennifer says, ah, me too, on the bugs. Yeah. Yeah, in Michigan, in the wintertime, we get all these box elder bugs, we get ladybugs. They just all come indoors for the winter. And they love, they're attracted to the light, they're attracted to the heat, and oftentimes they will just uh, merge with the light. But it doesn't smell very good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. So... I'm going to spend just a little bit of time on this, but I want to show you, this is from my Decans of Virgo webinar. Uh, so this is these are themes that are trying to be balanced out with the, the Pisces sun and the stack up that we have in Pisces with the moon in Virgo. So that, that Decan of, of Virgo 1, you can see here we have the Eight of Pentacles. And if you follow along with my advertising, you saw that I I, I had a DJ that was that was basically playing with pentacles with the records there in my advertisement. And I used purple for the balance with Pisces because purple is a, a Jupiterian color. So I was trying to kind of fuse all the elements of, of Virgo and Pisces into that. And, and the, the position of the DJ reflected the, uh, the apprentice here in the Virgo 1 card. So apprenticeship and focus, learning the laws of incarnation are some of the themes here. 
awareness of skills or lack thereof. It's a, remember, it's a solar decan and a Mercury ruled decan, uh, a so solar uh, place. Okay, so we have this um, this energy of being aware of the skills that we might need or the information that we might need. Okay, the sun casts this big spotlight on things, and we may question whether we have everything that we need. Questioning and skepticism. Oh, Corey, thank you so much for the super sticker, my friend. Corey says, appreciate you and your thorough Virgo uh, and compassionate approach cancer to your work. Cheers. Thank you so much, Corey. Appreciate that. Very generous super sticker. Thank you so much, my friend. I'm happy that I'm able to be of service to you here today and appreciate all of your, um, your contributions to the chat as well. So thanks again, friend. Okay. So questions that we can reflect upon to, that reflect the Virgo side of this full moon. What is possible? What is realistic and what isn't? What skills do I need to learn to manifest spirit into matter and form? That's one of the kind of secret significations of Virgo is being able to, to infuse essence into form, all right? Whereas Pisces can be the opposite. Pisces can dissolve form into essence, right? It can dissolve things into just undifferent an undifferentiated mass. Whereas Virgo says, no, I'm going to differentiate this. I'm going to make something from this substance and from this material. Uh, so how do you begin to sift through the harvest? And what skills do you need to manifest spirit into matter or form, right? Uh, what are your gifts and what are your flaws? Be being realistic about those things. And how does your narrative loop that you've inherited from your childhood, from, from your life, from your trauma... How does that inform how you view your skill set? That's important too. How do I consolidate this abundance? That's a great verbiage for Virgo because what we're doing is we're trying to preserve something against entropy and the ravages of time. So Virgos have, there, there is an anxiety to Virgo placements because they, they are trying to preserve something because they know that the more time that passes, the more entropy can come up. This is why we say, okay, I got to do it now. I, can't, I don't, don't have time to think about it. I don't have time to dream about it. Because time is going to separate this out and it's going to cause decay. So a lot of Virgo folks are archivists, right? They are people that are preserving something against the ravages of time, but also helping to usher things back to the earth as well because they understand that cyclical nature. Okay. Let's go back to our chat. Rachel says, I love your little avatar, Rachel, with your little, <laughs> the little judgy cat. <laughs> Remember that? It's from, what's it, like Beverly Hills Wives or something like that. It's funny. It says, this full moon is conjunct my natal moon within two minutes. Really feeling this talk. Oh, good, Rachel. I'm so glad that you're, that you are experiencing the talk and it's benefiting you in a, in a way that is resonating with your chart and with your lived experience. I love getting that kind of feedback. Uh, Jennifer has Pluto at 8 degrees and Venus at 9 degrees Virgo, so first decade for all those, so this should resonate with you too there, Jennifer. Okay, friends, so let's get into the rising signs. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to add to the stage here. Oops, that's not what I want to do. So let's go back over to... Thanks for your patience here today. I know this, uh, this channel is a slow burn, but I do my best to uh, 
pace myself and to make sure that we're, we're engaging in a way that is well considered. I don't like rushing things. You know, everybody, everybody's rushing around in society today and I just think that it's okay to just take our time through some of these things. So we're looking at Pisces rising, okay? So we're gonna start with Pisces here. We're always starting with the rising sign that the sun is moving through for these reflections. I think it, it, it brings about an equitable uh, way of dealing with this so that you don't always have to wait till the end or you're not always first, etc. So Pisces rising, this is a full moon for you where you are experiencing the full moon in an angular house. So this is, uh, and of course angular houses are ones that we might feel more personally. And here we have the axis of self versus other, right? So we have the sun, Mercury, Saturn, Neptune, all lighting up our first house where there might be a, a really significant awareness that comes about your own character, about your own body, about your own lens that you view the world through. And it might be coming into conflict with the way that you interact with others within your personal relationships, whether they're romantic or business or otherwise. So this is going to be a time to find balance between that, to really examine uh, your own narrative loops and just to, to surrender to the process. Like this isn't a time to criticize a partner or something of that nature because you might not have all the information around it. And there's going to be a square between your Mars and, and Venus in your 12th house and in Aquarius and Jupiter in the third. There could be a, an expansion of your, uh, your, your community, your local community and your interaction with them. You could be having some challenges with a sibling or an extended family member potentially as well. Um, but this is a really great opportunity to start getting a, a rhythm a new rhythm for your daily habits and your routines. Uh, this is going to be very expansive for the way that you just go about your daily work, which is oftentimes what I see is the, the daily journeys of the third house because of its uh, relationship as the joy of the moon. Okay, and then just again, take your time when it comes to the post new moon period because we have that void of course moon for three days afterwards, and then we have the awareness of the, the Mercury-Sun-Saturn conjunction that's going to happen about nine degrees of Pisces, okay? All right. Devin says, Mercury is exalted in Virgo because it allows the intellect of Mercury to become solid, sustained, and lasting. Yeah, absolutely. It's able to di differentiate into different categories, which is something that Mercury enjoys doing, and it's d difficult to do that in Pisces. Pisces likes to merge things, so... Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Jennifer says, yes, it is. The reflection questions are poignant. Oh, good, Jennifer. Okay, friends, let's move forward. We're going to spend a little bit less time on each rising sign today so that we can consolidate some of the time here. Uh, let's see. So let's move on to Aries rising. Whoops. There we go. So Aries rising. Aries rising has the full moon over the 12th and 6th house axes, okay? So we are dealing with the opposition between a stack up in the house that is normally associated with finding solitude, with potentially 
self-undoing. Oftentimes the twelfth house is related to liminal spaces where we feel like we're between worlds. Um, I like to think of the twelfth house as a balancing energy where planets that are traveling through there are restoring right proportion, okay, before they transit into the first house. Like maybe we're releasing excesses, uh, either of too much of something or we're trying to increase something that we lack. So Aries rising right now is going through a, a rebalancing period. And it's going to be, it's a really interesting time for Aries rising because you will have a series of powerful eclipses that are going to be coming in the weeks and months ahead. So let this time be one of trying to release any excessive or points of lack, increase that which you need to increase, get rid of that which isn't serving you, try to understand how you create a sense of solitude and peace for yourself so that when you are asked to take new exploratory action, you will do it from a centered place so that you're not taking action that is just that isn't serving you or anyone else. Um, this There could be some push and pull between the work that you need to do, like out in, in the world that, it, that you may or may, not, may or may not be getting credit for. So you may be feeling a lot of uh, desire to retreat, but there may be some things that are pulling you back into, into the world and taking you away from a sense of completion. What I will say is that Try not to get too frustrated with the completion process right now. Live into the answer. Uh, allow you, you, you to allow yourself to rest a little bit, and maybe when once you recharge the battery, you can re-engage with whatever process that you're working on, and you'll be able to do it in a way that will uh, help you to to finish whatever the project is. Again, you you'll have a square between Venus and Mars in your eleventh house, and your and Jupiter in the second. So there could be some pressure that's coming to you from a group where you, you may be trying to find a new financial rhythm, but there may be some some changes in the relationship with your community that may could be making that a little bit challenging at this full moon. All right, so that's Aries rising. Let's move to Taurus rising. So Taurus rising Taurus rising is experiencing the full moon over the 11th and 5th house axis. And that is a place where we are dealing with our own personal creative desires, the way that we seek pleasure and entertainment, the way that we craft a legacy uh, like our children, like our creative babies, all of those things, our projects, and the desires and needs of our group and shared values that we have with a society, with uh, any altruistic organizations that we're a part of. So there may be some changes that are going on within the, the group for you, Taurus Rising, okay? And you may be feeling a little bit out of touch with your own creative expression within that group and you may be getting a little frustrated with with that on some level 
but there might be just more information that needs to be revealed to you about the structure, the mythical structure, the, the, the meaning structure of the group that you're a part of. So allow that information to unfold to you. Like if, if you find that you aren't in alignment with the group that you've been in for a long time, like, like just, and this is okay. Sometimes as we continue to change, we will fall in and out of alignment with some of the communities that we're a part of. And this might be one of those moments where you feel like moving on. This is something else to consider for all rising signs is wherever that stack up in Pisces is, there might be something where you're just saying, I've had enough, it's time to move on, it's time to search for uh, what is meaningful to me, and I may have to leave this area and topic of life behind to find that. With Pisces rising, you could be leaving behind a sense of self and identity, okay, a personal identity. With Aries rising, you could be leaving behind ways that you may uh, self-sabotage in search of a higher meaning. And with Taurus, you may be leaving behind a group that you were a part of to find your own creative expression. Uh, there will be a square between Mars and Venus and Jupiter over your 10th and your first house. So you may be trying to expand your own rhythmic uh, approach to life, but there may be some pressure in your job or in your, in your uh, public expression. Okay, the actions you take out in the world, it's not just a job with the 10th house, as some of you have pointed out in the comment section, that if you're retired or, or you know, work from home or something like that, like 10th house is sort of like our public actions that we take out in the world. So there may be some challenges and transitions that are happening in your public life that are making it, that are challenging some of your comfort zones and, the, and making it difficult to establish the type of uh, consistent routine that many Taurus risings feel comfortable within. Okay. So that is Taurus rising. So hang in there, Taurus rising. Um, and, and keep in mind, Taurus rising, that you know your your ruling planet Venus is going through that second decan of Aquarius, which is related to the Six of Swords. So this is a, tr a transitory period. Okay, this is something where you're moving from one shore to another. So if you feel unmoored on some level or, or ungrounded, it's temporary. And we'll get, we'll get from one shore to the other. Okay. Gemini rising. All right, Gemini rising. So Gemini rising is experiencing full moon in an angular house or set of angular houses. So here we have the Pisces stack up in the 10th house of public action, praxis is what they called it in the Hellenistic verbiage, and the, the full moon perfecting or coming to light in the fourth house. So there could be uh, a lot of a, a spotlight on your uh, public actions out in the world, your career, etc., with authority figures that you deal with, which is also a 10th house signification. And it could be bringing some conflict to your domestic life, to, to that which is private to you, your private life. Um, try not to, to feel like you have to have everything figured out with your private life. You're probably going to get more information about what's, what's happening in a public sphere 
uh, that will help inform the actions that you'll take later. There is a square between Venus and Mars and Jupiter from your ninth house to your 12th house. So there might be some transitionary things going on in your belief systems, and that could be making it difficult for you to um, find the, the, the peace and serenity that you might desire. Oftentimes, Gemini Risings find solitude and peace through, through nature. I have a good Gemini Rising friend who I often see walking on the beach and like often natural spaces, sometimes maybe to ground their maybe, maybe excessive thinking on some level. Sometimes Gemini Rising has an excess of thoughts and getting grounded in nature can be really healing for that, uh, for that type of thing. So hang in there with that. Recognize that you're, you're going to have to maybe leave something behind with a job if you want to, to move forward in your life. Or there might be some public identity that you have to leave behind in search of a higher sense of purpose if you want to move forward. Now, Gemini Rising, I'll also say that your ascendant ruler, Mercury, is in a tough spot right now. Like, it's in a spot where thinking clearly isn't really the, the supported with this kind of uh, placement. That doesn't mean that you can't do something interesting. You can... This is a great time, Gemini Rising, for writing poetry, for writing, doing creative storytelling, for using uh, nonlinear thinking and metaphorical language. So being able to, to see the connections between things, to, to see the liminal spaces, uh, could be really important for you right now without having to necessarily name it, right? You don't have to label it at this point. Sometimes the, it will, what you are seeking is ineffable or unnameable, right? And if we resist the urge to categorize or name something, we can allow it to, to be what it wants to be without uh, putting it into a box before it's necessary. So that's Gemini rising. So good luck with that, friend. Now we're going to explore Cancer rising. So Cancer rising, Cancer Rising has the full moon over the ninth and the third house with the Piscean stack up in the ninth house of pilgrimage, of finding meaning, of the journeying that we take that takes us away from public action. Uh, it's related to higher education and all of these things. Those are some of the, the cliche themes we hear about it. There could be something where you're, the beliefs that shape the actions that you take in the world are about to change, where you may be leaving behind some old, old stories about your role within society, and it's necessitating a shift of your daily habits and your daily routines. Now, you might be tempted to change everything about your day-to-day -day life and organize some kind of new way of being in your, in your immediate environment. But I would say be patient and wait for the process to unfold so that you know what you're going to need to do on a daily basis that's informed by the meaning that you're crafting in your life. Okay, There's a square between uh, Mars and Venus in the 8th house in Aquarius and Jupiter in the, in the 11th house in Taurus. So there could be some pressure 
coming to you from a transition, from a shared resource that you have with someone else that could be affecting um, how you relate to a group of people or how you relate to receiving benefits from the community or from the whole. So this is a, just a transitory time within that. Now, full moons and new moons are extra important for Cancer Rising because the moon is the ruler of your ascendant. Uh, so the moon could be encouraging you to just for trying to parse things out into categories and to figure out how to do something. But again, I would encourage you to, to surrender to the, to the watery process uh, and just take it easy over this period of time and release some of that anxiety that you might be feeling and let more of the information unfold over the, the few days that follow. Okay. Jennifer is asking... Actually, Unity Jackson's here. What's up, Unity? Coming in late, but so glad I got to catch you live this week. Nice to see you, my friend. Uh, Jennifer is asking, what do you mean by non-linear thinking? Um, so linear thinking, think about a straight line. Let's, let's, let's take history, for example, as a straight line. And you'll see charts of history, like as a... Oh, here was the 1800s on one side, and here was the here we are now on this side, and we've gone from point A to point B. Nonlinear thinking is more is less a straight line and more like a web, right? You're seeing these these connections, these different connections. Um, you know, instead of thinking about things in a straight line. Also, nonlinear thinking involves figurative language. So when I say that um, a beaver, like let's, let's use one of our examples from earlier, the beaver. Uh, when I say the word beaver, many of you, if you're thinking in a linear fashion, think it's an, it's an animal, a rodent that has teeth, that chops down trees and builds dams. That's a linear way of thinking of, of uh, a beaver. If we think in a nonlinear fashion and we think of a beaver as a symbol, we can take all of its features and we can take its behaviors and we can see them in the context of human behavior or of as something else. So a beaver chopping down trees with its teeth could show us that we need to dig in and, and work hard on reshaping our environment which could, in a nonlinear way, be like reshaping uh, our own home. Okay, it's not, it's not a, we are not literally beavers chopping down trees with our teeth, but we could be embracing beaver symbolism by reshaping a belief system that we have. We could be reshaping a, a, a part of our home, okay? Um, so it is about seeing the, the in-between spaces between things uh, and not necessarily just taking things at face value. And it's a super important quality to develop um, and really important for, for diviners and astrologers and tarot readers and things like that. Because look at what we're doing when we read a tarot card. We're, we're, and I'm gonna, I'll stop my share for a second here. Like, because this is a good question. I won't spend too much time. I'll get back to the risings in a minute. But if we look at the card for the Eight of Cups, if we just take it literally, we see a figure who's walking off in, like, walking away with eight cups there. There's an eclipse moon, and he's in a marsh. 
And we could say, well, what is that? How does that affect our life? Well, if you take it in a linear fashion, in a figure, or a, I'm sorry, in a in a just a face value way, it doesn't. Okay, but if you see symbolism within it, if you see that this person is, if we look at those cups as a situation in our life, and I don't know why it's zooming in so far. I'm sorry, but if we see the cups as a job, if we see the cups as a belief, if we see the cups as a relationship. When, then we can say, oh, the figure is walking away from the relationship, walking away from the job, because they're searching for a higher purpose and a higher meaning. And we infer some of those things by understanding the esoteric symbolism that has been infused into the card over time. So I hope that's helpful for you. Okay, I get it. Nice, thanks. Oh, good. Devin says, like the floorboards beneath my feet, I'm connected to the tree it was from, the person that cut it down, the mill that formed it into a board, the carpenter that fashioned it into my floor. Oh, that's nice. I like that, Devin. The distance they traveled, finally, all, that, all ha that all happened in the early 1900s. My partner bought it and in the early 2000s, and we're experiencing it now, and I'm connected to all of them. Ooh, that's a great, great example of nonlinear thinking, right? All of the things that went into that floor we're connected to and it's not just point A to point B it's it is seeing the connections between uh, not just the items in our house but the relationships that we have between us and the society and, and etc so great examples friends okay let's move on to Leo rising and we will move us forward here all right Leo rising you my friends are experiencing a full moon over the eighth and the second house. So we have a, a stack up in the eighth house related to not only money of others or shared resources. Um, we may be having to change our accepted narratives around the resources we share with an other. Uh, we may be having to deal with the fallout of a completion of some sort. Eighth house is often what happens after, after death, after marriage, after a completion, after a celebration. Okay, so this is an, an after period. We are seeing the moon come full in the second house, which is related to everything that supports us. Everything that we consume, that we put into our mouth, everything that that we uh, work that is supporting us as an individual. So we're having to balance out uh, these changing narratives around our shared resources and how we organize our own ability to support ourselves. There's going to be a square between the, the Mars and Venus in Aquarius in your seventh house to Jupiter in the tenth. So there could be a transitionary period that you're experiencing within a relationship, and that could be affecting uh, your rhythms as a uh, professional or in in your public life and in your public sphere. Uh, so the, this is a big a big change that's coming, but you're in the middle of that that process that moving from point A to point B or moving from one shore to another. And again, it doesn't have to be a linear process. You know, oftentimes as we learn through the lesson of Odysseus. The journey is circuitous. 
which means that it has a many many stops along the way. Sometimes you have two steps forward to take one step one step back, two steps forward, right? I mean, there's it's not always just a straight line when we're going on a journey. So this is an opportunity to understand that we're in a trans transition process and that there may be some hiccups and bumps along the way, Leo rising. Uh, I would say you might need some more information when it comes to eighth house matters. Eighth house is also related to like debt or uh, credit or things of that nature. Um, like if you're like taxes, stuff like that, there might be more information that needs to come to you. Uh, so you're probably getting a full moon with understanding something around that, like a loan or something, but you don't have to necessarily take action right away because more information could be revealed in the days following. Your ascendant ruler is the sun and it is shining a big spotlight on the, the narratives that you have accepted as your reality, that shape your reality, the stories that shape your reality. And really, the stories that shape our reality are, that's a short, a long way of saying our beliefs. So we all are taking actions based on our belief system. So you may have some, some, some of your beliefs challenged around this, and especially around resources, debt, uh, and things of that nature. Okay, Leo Rising. Uh, Jennifer is giving some kudos to Devin. Uranus Ascending is here. Made it for just in time for Leo. Hi, Spencer and friends. Hi, Uranus Ascending. Hope you're doing well from Chicago-ish. All right, let's go to Virgo Rising. So Virgo Rising is having another angular full moon. So here is the moon coming full in the first house and that big Pisces stack up in your seventh house of partnership. So this is a the opposite of Pisces Rising where a lot of the, the changing narratives of leaving behind something in regards to your own personal character, this is now shifting towards your partnerships. So there could be some stories that you shape your partnerships around that need that are up for renovation. That are, maybe there's some dissatisfaction within a relationship where you're just like, all right, I've just I've had enough or something like that. I'm ready to leave this either the relationship itself or I'm I'm w ready to change a part of it that isn't in alignment with my beliefs. Oftentimes people ha feel like relationships are all or nothing, and I I don't necessarily think that's all the case. I, I had a mom that was married four times, and oftentimes she got antsy when one part of the relationship wasn't working, and she has admitted that, you know, I, I don't necessarily have to, to change the whole relationship to change a part of it. And I think that might be part, something to keep in mind with this Virgo rising, is there could be something going on within a business partner, a romantic partnership, where there's something that you're just kind of over, but you need more information before you can make an assessment of it. So, so take your time, try not to get overly concerned with the how and how everything is unfolding. Just get in alignment with what you really value in your partner and what could, what, what types of, um, what types of things bring you meaning within that relationship. And that can help you determine whether the relationship itself is salvageable or if there's just a part of it that needs to change rather than the entire thing. Uh, there is a Mars-Venus square 
to Jupiter from your sixth to your ninth house. So there could be a transitionary phase happening within a lot of the work that you do that is pulling you away from a completion. You might not be feeling like you're able to complete the work that you're uh, doing, but you're in a transitionary phase. And it could be really disrupting your ability to, to create a consistent belief. Like a lot of times, like with Virgo rising, with ninth house, with Taurus, uh, a lot of their beliefs are practical. You know, they're trying to create a sense of inner peace. A lot of the organizational systems that they're doing is because they believe in creating an inner harmony and the organization helps them feel more relaxed. So there might be something that's challenging that right now. Like it could be a health issue. It could be like overload at work or something that is disturbing that inner peace on some level. But recognize that it's temporary and that you're just moving from one shore to another. Now, Virgo rising, you're... You're another of those risings that's that's hosted by Mercury. And your ruling planet, Mercury, is, is not at the height of its preferred powers right now. This might be a, a, a challenging time for you, Virgo rising, because oftentimes Virgo risings are counted on to be the, the reality check, to be the organizer, to be the, well, I've got a vision, now how are we going to get this done? Virgo rising says, I know how to do that. You do this, 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 this. But the, all that information might not be available right now. It may challenge you to, to, to go outside your comfort zone and to maybe see the big picture, to surrender to the process and think more in terms of meaning rather than process itself. So I, hopefully that will help, help you with this. And, and keep in mind too, Mercury is going to change signs. It's not, it's not like this forever. It's okay to just relax and not necessarily... Uh, not necessarily... Uh, have to do everything at every moment. Uh, creating harmony says, telling Virgos to not be worried about the process. Oh, yeah. And Corey says, nailed it. Disturbed inner peace lately. Husband is overworked. Brings home drill sergeant mentality. That's got to change. Yeah. Yeah, Corey. I mean, and, and you know, I'm glad Khadija worked. We're trying to give you permission, Virgo rising, to not worry about the process. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm giving you... I'm giving you permission to relax, which is, I would I would assume that sometimes the Virgo parts of us, and I am a Virgo stellium myself, friends, uh, I would love to be able to relax sometimes and not feel like I have to do something all the time. But yeah, as far as Corey goes, just just live into the process, right? I mean, let, let, the, let go of having to feel like you're just creating busy work or that your partner is. And um, yeah, that drill sergeant mentality oftentimes can lead to, you know, disharmony. I mean, there's a time and a place for it. There's a time and a place for, for a lot of energies. Oh, geez. Of course, we're both Virgo ascendants. Oh, my gosh. So, yes. Yeah, so I'm sure that you, you can connect on, on the way that you are able to organize and the, the work ethic that you both share. But again, maybe this is just a time for you to go do something fun, to do something that doesn't have a purpose, you know, to maybe that's the best way to connect with this is say, hey, this is a great time for a time out, especially the three or four days after this full moon. You're not going to get anything done with any efficiency anyway. And even if you try to, the moon being void, of course, is going to conspire against it. So just surrender to it and say, you know what, whatever, let's go have a nice time at the lake or 
let's go out and have a nice dinner, whatever it is, whatever it is that is relaxing for you. Um, maybe it's cleaning out your attic or something, I don't know. I, I know for me, I use those void of course moons to get rid of stuff, to clear the decks. And I actually think that's a great way of utilizing this void of course, because we're gonna clear the decks so that we can get more information about what truly is meaningful to us. So maybe it's not for the purpose of like, you know, doing and moving us forward, but, but we're emptying the cup, so to speak. Yeah, Corey says, you're right, but to what end exactly? It doesn't have to be an end, right? Just, it's just, the end is itself. The means is an end of itself on some level. Uh, Khadija says, jokes aside, I'm so excited. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to self-reflect and create more organization and order in this new <laughs> light. Oh. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> or you could just be, okay? Or you could not create order. Like you could just let things be how they are. Uh, let yourself be enough this time, Khadija. Uh, the kind, kind of like the chaos of Mercury and Pisces season is nice, yeah. It's time for, it is a time for vibes. Absolutely, Khadija. Like just allow yourself to be. You don't have to, this is the thing. Virgo is always being like, how can I improve this? How can I improve myself? How can I create more efficiency? There are certain times when you've, you've done enough and sometimes you can just appreciate and find gratitude for who and what you are in the moment. And this is a good time for that. Corey says, maybe it's driving to Michigan to buy some green stuff. Well, we've got plenty of that in my hometown of Ypsilanti. There's a dispensary on every corner, so... You know, be my guest, friend. That's what works for you, you know? Who am I to judge? Creating harmony. Skadija says self-reflection post-void of course moon time. Yes, there you go. Good bath or something, right? Some self-care. Uh, without, without, without a purpose in mind. Okay, let's move forward. I love these Virgo Risings here today. Let's talk about Libra Rising. Before I t take on Libra Rising, let's do another little stretch. Do me a huge favor, friends. Uh, please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, stretch your legs, get a snack, take a drink of water. Open the window if, if one of your bugs uh, Darwin itself in one of your lamps. Um, If you want to make a donation the work I'm doing here today, we've already had a very generous super sticker from Corey. Thank you, Corey. There's a little dollar sign in the YouTube channel chat if you want to contribute, or you can buy me coffee at buymecoffee.com. All right. Okay. We're heading towards the end here, friends. We're, we've got a few more risings left to go. And, uh, and then we will be done for the day. Okay, Libra Rising. We have a... Actually, before I get into Libra Rising, I need a little snack here. Gotta get my blood sugar up, friends. I know my Libra Risings and the audience today will understand. Especially my butcher friend out in 
the West Coast. Today my snack of the day is an oat chocolate bar with crispy rice and cocoa nibs from Trader Joe's. It's a gift from my lovely partner. So there you go, and I'm drinking my mate today. And I got a glass of water. Now we're ready to engage. Okay, Libra Rising. You have a full moon over the 12th in the 6th house. There's a big stack up in your 6th house right now. Maybe causing you to uh, reevaluate your inner narratives around work, around how you may toil, around maybe the work that you do that you're not getting some credit for. I know a lot of Libras out there uh, do a lot of things for other people. And do they always get acknowledged for their, their sacrificing ways? No, they don't. A lot of times they are just giving and giving and giving. And are they appreciated? No. So this might be a time to reevaluate uh, how much you are giving in a relationship and, and your job. Uh, there might be a health issue that's been perplexing you. Sometimes when we overwork ourselves and we don't take our own needs into account, that can lead to a health issue. I've done that in the past. The moon might be asking you to, to just relax and say, how do I get it some time out? How do I get some time off, time out, etc." Uh, you may have uh, some information that comes to you about how to have a balanced work life a balanced way of dealing with whatever health issue that may come up as well. If it does, it doesn't mean, just because you have a six, six house stack up doesn't mean you're gonna have a health issue, but oftentimes it manifests as like something that takes us away from completion. Now you will have Venus and Mars squaring Jupiter from the fifth to the eighth house, including your ascendant ruler, Venus. So this is a transitory time in the way that you seek pleasure, potentially. Maybe the Libra Risings out there are dealing with ways that they self-undo through ways that they seek pleasure. Maybe some of you are, are trying to get sober or something of that nature. That could be a, a, a theme. And it may be a transitory phase about how you seek pleasure. And it could be coming into conflict with the way that a partner seeks pleasure. I know that when people are trying to get sober, if they have a partner that isn't on the same path, it can be very difficult. So there could be themes of that nature coming up potentially. Um, but just try to, to be understanding of everyone's individual path and especially your own. Like it's important to, to state your own needs within situations like that and recognize that this is uh, part of the process from point A to point B from getting from one shore to another. This could also be something related to your, your your own creative output. And maybe there's just conversations about, you know, what what your creative expression is versus how you're teaming up with someone else within the process. And that could be part of that square as well. Um, so hopefully that's helpful for you, Libra Rising. Again, this is a really important inflection moment for you 
before a set, set of eclipses over your first and seventh house. So by getting really clear about why you do what you do, you'll be able to make a really powerful start. Um, there'll be a powerful ending potentially over the first and seventh house axes, but then there's a really powerful new start for your relationship when we have the new moon solar eclipse in Aries. Okay. Um, Tracy says, this Leo sun, Gemini moon, is a Libra rising. I love giving, but yeah, I get lost sometimes. Okay. Well, I'm happy to help you, give you permission there, Tracy, to think about your own needs around this time. And you don't need my permission to do that. But oftentimes what Libra will do is they will seek external validation before taking action. And oftentimes a Libra person wants nothing Nothing less than getting, you know, someone saying, it's okay for you to do this for yourself. <laughs> like, it's okay not to always have to ask permission. So if that's the validation that you need today, then, then hopefully that's helpful for you. Uh, but good luck, Libra Risings. Scorpio Rising. Let's look at Scorpio Rising. Okay, Scorpio Rising, who I like, sometimes I like to call Say Scorpio Joe, Scorpio Joe, right? I don't know. Just think of our president. He has a Scorpio son. Call him Scorpio Joe. Uh, let's see. So Scorpio rising. So Scorpio rising. You just are, have come off of a really powerful moment with Mars and its exaltation. Mars has now moved into an angular house, where. You're, there may be a shift of focus, right? You, you are dealing with really uh, organizing your daily habits and routines, potentially with third house. Maybe there was some planning with extended family member or, or neighbors or community members with third house Mars. But now that focus has shifted to the, the home, the family, the domestic situation, and dealing with some of the challenges with that, with the conjunctions with Pluto, etc. And now there's a big Piscean stellium that's form formulating in your fifth house. And it is opposed by the moon in your 11th house. So there's some tension between your own creative process and, and the needs of the community and the group. Um, there could be some beliefs that you're letting go of in regards to what makes you happy as an individual. Again, it could be another journey to, towards sobriety potentially or changing the way that you seek pleasure within your life. Um, there's also a focus on, well, maybe if you're changing the way that you seek pleasure, maybe you have to change the way that you involve yourself with your group of friends, your group, your community members. Uh, again, just as it could be challenging for someone to go on the, their, their journey towards a sober existence if they have a partner that's not in alignment, it's difficult to do that when you have friends that aren't in alignment with that too. And, and this is just one example of something that could be coming up. Um, your ascendant ruler, Mars, is moving through Aquarius. So there could be a focus on your home and your family and transitioning from one state to another or one, one mental state to another. And it could be bringing some tension between the Mars and Venus square to Jupiter in your seventh house. So there could be difficult conversations you're having with your partner about how to, to, to organize your life and how to create those daily habits and routines that will give you a sense of belonging in your domestic situation, that 
You could be feeling a little bit alienated within your own home right now or within your own family. Um, and that's not uncommon for Scorpio risings if, if they have the IC in Aquarius or the Aquarius on the fourth house cusp there. So you may have to be someone who, who lives in both worlds and is you know, uh, one foot in one pond and one foot on land or something of that nature. Um, but I think that you have the unique skill set to, to navigate those waters with grace and be able to deal with any crises that might arise uh, as well. Because oftentimes Scorpio rising can be pretty cool under pressure. Like they're the types that aren't, uh, that won't shy away from the more challenging things in life and, and that uh, people can rely on. If there's something that's like the shit's hitting the fan, you call your Scorpio risings up and, and they can, you know, help, help uh, uh, be Johnny on the spot. So let yourself marinate a little bit in the, uh, the information that you receive about how you seek pleasure in your creative process. This could be also uh, the precursor to a really important moment for, for beginning a really important creative process for you, Scorpio Rising. It could be something where you're beginning a project shortly after this full moon, but you need more information to do so. And it'll come. You just have to live into the process. Okay. Let's take a look at Sagittarius Rising. So Sagittarius rising. Here is another angular house, angular axes. So this is happening over the fourth and 10th house for you, Sagittarius rising. So there is a big stellium that is forming in your fourth house related to your roots, related to everything that is hidden from the public related to your domestic situation, to your home, to your, your history, your family history. So there might be some changes happening around your family and your home. Uh, you could be shedding old beliefs around what it means to be uh, a family. It could be uh, with your parents, it could be with your siblings. Um, there could be some conflicts with siblings, with Pluto and Mars and Venus all stacking up in your third house in Aquarius. Uh, and it could be, you know, you're, it could also be related to your daily habits and routines that could be, you know, you're trying to transition from one set of habits to another. With Jupiter in the sixth house, square Jupiter in the sixth house, it could be pushing you to, to your limit. Um, I know our good friend Stephen, the Jupiterian, Sag Rising, was talking a lot about starting a book. And I would encourage you, Stephen, to to try to find a way to pace yourself throughout that process so that you don't get burnt out um, like with the, the daily habits that you're trying to establish. Daily habits take time to establish and when, when we're trying to bring something new into the world, uh, we have to learn what works for us and what doesn't. Um, there could be some tension between your domestic life and your public life with the full moon coming to fruition in the 10th. Keep in mind too that the ruler of your 10th house is in its its exile and its fall with Mercury in Pisces. So if you are normally someone who deals with facts and figures in your in your public life or in your job, some of those things could be a little confusing right now and that could be frustrating. But I think it's going to help you to, to surrender to the process and not necessarily feel like you have to have all the answers right away. Sagittarians, Jupiterians in general, 
They like having the answers. They like saying, I know this. I, I know what this means. But sometimes that's not always possible. And sometimes uh, the best thing that you can do is be a good listener. And this is a, this is a good time for that, I think, is list, listen to the life, your life and what direction it's pointing you towards. And sometimes timing, you know, our plans, we have to make adjustments. We have to have adjustments to the plans that we have. Now, your ascendant ruler, Jupiter, is asking you to find the types of work habits that are going to lead to good health or sustainability. Um, and you may be just having to get, get a new idea about how to grind through the work. Like if you're starting a new creative process, sometimes you just have to, to work at it and find what works for you. And um, adjustments will need to be made along the process. Sometimes you might work yourself a little too hard and forget to sleep or forget to eat. Um, but you need to take care of your physical vehicle and your physical vessel if you, if you want creativity to flow, flow through it. Uh, and so you'll have to make adjustments through that process as well. Okay. Hopefully that is helpful for you, Sagittarius Rising. Let's talk about Capricorn Rising. Okay, Capricorn Rising. You are having a full moon over your third and ninth house. And we've got that big Pisces stellium forming in the third house of siblings, extended family members, neighbors, short journeys, um, daily habits, communication. There could be something where you're having to change your belief system and leave an old belief system behind about how you organize your daily life and your habits. And it could also be beliefs that you have about your neighbors, about your siblings, etc. And there could be, that could be something that's, you're really challenged to change your uh, overarching raison d'etre around with the moon coming full in the ninth house. Oftentimes cap risings have a, an, an overall belief in structure and process, process orientated but the normal ability to be process-driven is a little bit hampered around this full moon period. So surrendering the process and, and getting in touch with what really motivates you, what, what, is, what is your why, will help you to take actions that will allow you to, to be the, the responsible voice of reason in your life eventually. But if you don't have something, the emotional depth that's informing your, your practical leadership, it can be very difficult to be a good leader. So to be an effective leader, you have to have uh, compassion. You have to be able to see another person's perspective. Uh, and you have to take into account uh, room for flexibility that life and the, the twists and turns of life will bring you. Now there's a square between Mars and Venus to Jupiter in the fifth from the second house. So there could be a transitory moment in your own resources and your own budget. You could be moving from one job to another or another one, one budget to another. Uh, and that could be putting a little bit of a damper on your own creative process or the way that you seek pleasure. You might have to wait to buy something like that brings you joy because you're transitioning from one way of supporting yourself to another. And that's okay, it's temporary, right? You know, delayed gratification is actually one of the gifts of Saturn. So if you're leaning into your, your Capricorn rising, 
being able to, to wait until the time is more fortuitous can put you in a better position long term. And I think that every Capricorn or Capricorn rising, if they're really in harmony with the, the, the symbolism, is trying to set themselves up for a fortuitous future. Okay? And your, your Ascendant Ruler Saturn is really asking you to, to go and, and release old dreams that maybe aren't serving you. And old situations, old communities, old, you know, habits that aren't serving you. And sometimes it's hard to change those when we have an Earth-focused uh, energy. But it will, it will pay, pay dividends in the long term. You guys speak in the language of each of the rising signs, right? Capricorn rising. It'll pay. It'll pay dividends. <laughs> you know, your your investment will pay off, right? I'm sorry to be cliche, but I just think it's funny. Uh, okay, Aquarius rising. We finally gotten to you, Aquarius. Thank you for your patience. So Aquarius rising has the full moon over the second and the eighth house. So we have a, a stack up of Piscean planets in your second house, which relates to how you support yourself, how, what goes into your body, what goes into your mouth, what goes, how you uh, do the work that supports your own individual body, uh, the people that support you. I think second house is also like the, the, the you know, your confidants sometimes. There could be some changes around that, potentially. There could be something coming to light in a, with a shared resource, but you need more information before you can m make a judgment around it. Now, Aquarius rising has the Mars-Venus square to Jupiter from the first to the fourth house. So there could be a lot of changes happening, transitions happening potentially with your own sense of self, and it could be disrupting the routine with your family. It could be encouraging you to, to make a new uh, start with a family member or with a new home or something of that nature. And you might not be able to have the, the inner peace that you need in your, in your home life um, because you are changing. Like this is, I could see this where an Aquarius rising could be going through a lot of personal changes and your family just doesn't quite get it yet which they've probably never quite gotten you, but like, right? Like we all feel, as Aquarius Rising, you probably all feel some sort of like on the outside looking in. Um, but there might be an extra feeling of that within a domestic situation. But recognize that, that this is temporary and that you're just moving from one state to another. And eventually you'll find the right rhythm or relationship with your, with your living space, with your private life, with your family, etc. Um, Saturn, again, is really encouraging you to release old narratives around your financial situation or how you are supported in life. And you, you'll probably get a lot of clarity around that after the full moon and if, if you don't force the issue. Okay, friends, that is the full moon through the rising signs. So we are going to go back to our little uh, picture here and we're gonna finish up the day by taking a look at a hexagram and we're going to finish with an animal 
So the hexagram that I got for you all here today asked, what is the essence of the full moon in Virgo 1 in 2024? You got hexagram number 37, which translates to the family. So we just got done talking about relationships with the family, with, Virgo, or with Aquarius rising. And we've got it changing to hexagram number 46, which is roughly translates to ascending, growing upwards, pushing upwards. So let's break this down, because there's four changing lines in this hexagram. It's a, it's a volatile situation, and I wouldn't expect, expect anything less for a mutable full moon, which is in flux, right? So the family translates to the household, the family, the clan, close-knit groups, uh, playing your part, establishing expectations, serving it as an example, creating mutual trust. So Jack Balkin says that the basic theme of this hexagram is that when all members of the family have their appropriate relationship to one another, the family is well-ordered and will be at peace. The structure of the hexagram is thought to model these ideal relationships. So although the hexagram, I believe it's Jia Ren, Shiren, maybe something of that nature, J-I-A-R-E-N, concerns the family. In ancient China, the family was a metaphor and a model for virtually all other forms of social organization. Hence, the hexagram is also about the ideal forms of social life and social relations. Okay, so there might be some reorganization going on within our social structures as well. So we have to live into that answer and play our part. As I talked about earlier within the, the talk today, um, we all have a different role to play at different times, and that role can change. The role doesn't have to stay the same. Some people are very good at voicing, uh, you know, their opinions and other people are better at being support systems at various times so so again you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into one or the other but knowing where you are at for your specific skill set and energy level is important uh, to, to be able to to contribute to an effective society family etc so there are four changing lines the first initial changing line says enclosing and guarding the family regrets vanish. So this talks about having a close-knit group, um, that in a close-knit group, it's uh, essential that everyone feel accepted and committed to the enterprise, and, and that uh, when you are accepting of other people, that can lead to trust. And Jack Balkin says, trust leads to loyalty, and loyalty leads to a desire to work for the greater good. So this is really about uh, establishing trust between one another. So maybe through surrendering and acceptance, like this is something we didn't talk about a lot with Pisces is Virgo may say, this is what's wrong with this. Here's what we need to do to fix it. Pisces says, you know what? I, this is, I'm just saying I have to accept things the way they are right now. And through that acceptance, we will be able to uh, find a solution eventually, right? Or that we will be able to feel our way into the answer rather than force it. So I think this is part of this here. The, the second changing line, it says, not chasing after whim or desire. Remain in the center and prepare the food. Perseverance brings good fortune. So Jack Balkin says, and this is from the, the book, The Laws of Change. This is my favorite translation of the I Ching. He says, to remain in the center means to cultivate the virtues of modesty and moderation in your actions and desires. To prepare the food means performing everyday labors, living up to your duties, and taking care of others. That sounds a lot like Virgo, doesn't it? Like doing just the everyday work that you need to do, 
without taking on the 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 vastness of the collective challenges sometimes to deal with major problems we need to chop wood and carry water and this is what virgo reminds us when we have big stack ups in pisces the other dangers of pisces is just feeling completely overwhelmed by all of the feelings all of the time and the remedy to that is just take care of your business you know if you're feeling overwhelmed and depressed you know take take care of your hygiene uh, take a bath to you know cl clean yourself up do your laundry do your dishes you'd be amazed at how little shifts in your environment can actually change your whole entire mood this is something I've been taking very seriously lately trying to clear out the clutter in my life so that I can have a energetically free space so that that when I'm called upon to to engage I will be able to do so from a place of inner and outer organization the changing line at the fifth place says the king approaches his family do not worry good fortune so this line jack balkan says treat it's about treating those under your authority with care and kindness and magnanimity behave with dignity and integrity as a great king would and set a proper example for others to follow then all your efforts will meet with good fortune you know joy usher which is it's my one of my favorite books tiny universe by joy usher talks about pisces and Piscean's role, Jupiter's role. And I, I wanted to read a quote, uh, if I can find it, from her book, from the Pisces section, because I thought it was really poignant. I thought it was, uh, let me see if I can find it for you. She talks about, here it is. So whilst human nature is drawn to the fiery enthusiasm of Jupiter's masculine sign, and Sagittarius's enthusiasm for life is certainly contagious, it should be remembered that for the planets in Pisces, the journey within often requires far more intestinal fortitude to search with kindness and to accept the truth when it becomes evident, even if that truth results in exposure to raw emotions. Well, that's pretty powerful right there. Sometimes it takes incredible strength to be kind. Even when you don't want to be kind, when you just are overwhelmed with injustice, when you're feeling wronged, just to come with strong kindness and just allow yourself to feel, sometimes just to feel sadness. I mean, sometimes that's the, the most positive enlightened action that you can do because when we hold on to feelings, oftentimes, sadness can be transmuted into anger or anger can be something that is a mask for deep sadness and i think that a lot of the anger that we are feeling is just masking deep deep disconnect and sadness and i think it's really important for us to feel grief and Pisces time can be a really important time to just let the tears flow and just to feel the grief for the loss of maybe an ideal, the loss of a dream, the loss of a, a community, the loss of life. Just grieving is part of the healing process. And there will be a time for righteous anger. There is a time and a place for that. But let's try not to mistake our anger for deep grief. And I think that part of 
the healing process is allowing ourselves to grieve and making, normalizing and ritualizing that grief. And, and that could be part of this full moon as well. Finally, the, the line that's changing at the top says, he inspires trust and commands respect. In the end, good fortune comes. So this line is, is speaking towards the, that the success of a group depends on the quality of its leaders. So it encourages you to carry out your responsibilities faithfully, and then you will win people's confidence. So it's sort of like walking your talk. So if you, you have to be a living example if you want people to follow, if you want to lead within the group and whatever that, that you want to do. So on this channel, I believe in kindness. I believe in fairness, and I try to model that. I try to, to model being a calm presence and a calm head, even within crisis and situations of that nature. Uh, so I'm hoping that that will extend out into my community, that through engaging with this community here, that, that you all are able to bring your kindness and your centeredness to any situation that could be challenging, whether it's a personal crisis or a collective one, so that you can be uh, an agent for change and take actions that are well thought out, that are, are patient, that accept the fact of delayed gratification and understand working with the natural cycles rather than trying to force an issue. So these are my things that you might be able to bring with you at this, this particular full moon. And this is changing, this hexagram is changing to number 46, which translates to ascending, okay? Pushing upwards, rising, climbing, persistence and devotion, progressing step by step, making steady progress, the accumulation of small advantages. Sound like any sign? Sounds like Virgo to me. So th they encourage you in the text around this hexagram to, if someone or something is beginning in relative obscurity, eventually it will reach a position of influence. Balkan says this suggests a, that a plant that is pushing upwards through the soil, attempting to reach the surface. Progress described in Shang, that's the name of this hexagram in Chinese, is not always rapid or easy as in hexagram 35, nor is it necessarily aided by one's superiors as in hexagram 19. Rather, it represents a slow, methodical ascent through persistent exercise of one's will. So this is really just about, again, chopping wood, carrying water, patience with the process, recognizing that if you want to be a change agent, be like nature. You know, you're not going to be able to rush a season. And if a, a problem took decades, years, etc. To, to, to formulate, there might be some time needed to unravel it as well. Not to say that you shouldn't do that work, but be patient with the process. If you think about a human life, and you think about how short it really is in comparison to the eons that this planet has been here, it will give you some perspective. Also think about how long a human life is in relationship to some other creatures that inhabit the earth and how we can be custodians for them, for that, for those other creatures as well. So again, I talk about scale is very relative in the universe. So be patient with the process. Do the work necessary. Don't force the issue. You might not have all the information yet. And finally, we do have an, we do have an animal that is going to inform us here. And that animal is the shark. So I, I pull these randomly uh, for the new moons and for different cycles that we're experiencing. And I was surprised to get this one. 
Although, if I'm meditating on it, I think it could make sense. First of all, we're dealing with a very watery stacko. We're dealing with the ocean, the ocean of consciousness. And we have an animal that lives and breathes within that ocean. And is actually very effective within that environment. Uh, they're very skilled. They're very skilled hunters. Um, they're, they represent ancient wisdom. And sharks... Sharks are interesting. When sharks are not actively hunting, they're actually very placid. They're just kind of gliding along. Um, they're very sensitive to their environment. Uh, they are. They play a very necessary role within their ecosystem. They're like the, the garbage collectors, right? They're taking out the, the the sick animals. They're cleaning up. They're scavengers. Many of them. So they play a role within this. I think the shark teaches us that there's a time to be relaxed. And then there's time to be agitated. And this is perfect for our times right now. It really reflects all, everything I've been saying here today. Um, shark sometimes appears to me when I'm letting my frustration and my anger bubble over into situations where it becomes inappropriate. Where I can become either too aggressive. Sometimes shark can represent a ruthlessness to us where we're just pursuing something by all means necessary. Okay, like... Let's say we get really focused in like a Virgo moon way where, where we're really focused on this one particular detail and we have difficulty seeing really that it's fitting into a larger community of events. So the shark is asking us to breathe in, uh, breathe through the water, right? To be able to immerse ourselves in the collective. Like the ocean's an interesting metaphor for the boundarylessness of experience because it's, it is this like entity, but it, all of these things are underneath the surface. So we, we have to be able to understand all of the, the mechanisms that are functioning beneath the surface of our life and beneath the surface of our conscious awareness. This is just a time to surrender to the subconscious on some level and to, to accept that that's a part of us and to really try to get clarity as to which of those narratives are operating beneath the surface. And a shark can, can give us guidance for that. So I think a shark encourages us to, to be aggressive when it, when it is necessary, but then to glide placidly when, it, when that behavior is not necessarily uh, appropriate for the situation. And again, sharks are ancient creatures. So tap into that ancient wisdom part of yourself to be able to, to see yourself within the context of eons, millennia, uh, centuries, decades, you know, and not just just the moment that you're in and feel connected with the all that is and see how your actions uh, have can have empathy with other human beings, other creatures, other times in a non-linear non fashion. Now, sharks don't always swim in the same pattern. They, they kind of are meandering around the reef, right? Um, and then sometimes they can do something very unexpected. So this might be a time to Maybe zig when you were supposed to zag. And maybe you're going outside the rules and not following the, the rules of engagement. Oftentimes with Virgo full moons, we're like, oh, well, this is how it has to be done. And Pisces says, well, maybe it can be done in this other way. Like if you allow yourself to surrender to the times when the divine has a plan that might be better than your plan. All right, friends. That, I think, is what I've got for you today. Do me a huge favor. Please like and subscribe to the channel. 
You have been listening to Spencer Show Astrology here on YouTube and on, on wherever you're consuming this content today. Um, if you're new here, thank you so much for your contributions to the chat, for your ideas, for your thoughts, for your stories. Those are super important because it helps us contextualize all of our, our abstract ideas about astrology into the real world. It's so valuable. And thank you for your contributions for the super chats and things today. Uh, again, if you want to make a contribute, contribution to the work I'm doing, you can buy me coffee at buymecoffee.com. Sign up for a reading. Uh, you can purchase Deccan webinars or support my partner at Third Coast Mojo. So thank you, friends. I uh, really appreciate all of you. Have a great weekend. Have a great full moon. Uh, relax a little bit at the, after the full moon. And then let yourself surrender to the awareness that wants to come through you when we have that big stack up with the Sun, Mercury, and Saturn. All right. Thanks, Katie. Good to see you here, friend. Thank you, Tracy. Nice to see you again here today. Thanks, everyone, who's just put nice comments in the in the chat here. And uh, all right. That is what I've got for you. And uh, we'll see you the next time, okay? Uh, take it easy, everyone. And uh, remember, be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. Pisces season is a great time to practice kindness. It's not the easiest thing to do, okay? Sometimes it's the hardest, but it can be so valuable to practice that out in your world, especially when we live in a time where the voices of hatred are speaking very loud. You can be the opposing gentle force to that. All right, friends, take care. Peace.